Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. Doodle. The Avengers. That's what we call ourselves. Earth's mightiest heroes, type thing. What's up, Internet? You're listening to another episode of Fan Bros Show, the voice of the urban geek for all nerds. The show where we discuss geek culture from the perspective of people of color. And it's your boy, DJ Benjamin, a.k.a. Wakanda's favorite DJ, Soldier 70 Split, the anti-trife equation, Hollywood Hameen, the Beverly Trillbilly himself. Mm, mm. Mm. I ain't got no more. I'm going to get right to it tonight because, as always, I'm joined by... Tatiana King-Jones, the Granite of the Tech, also known as Misty Knight Writer, Trill Quist, Sean John Luke Picard, Ivan Yeo, and The Shade Runner. Mm-hmm. And returning once again. You know, you thought he was gone, but he's back. Uh, Chico Leo, the Wookiee from Brooklyn, Wholesaler Moon, <laughs> a.k.a. Uh, Dwayne Shade, a.k.a. Uh, LeBron Frames, <laughs> a.k.a. I'm well, laughing because that. that was not smooth at all, Chico. But, <laughs> I know. But because you're loved, it doesn't really matter. It really doesn't. Really right. Doesn't. Yeah. No. Welcome I, back. Um. Yeah, no, thank you. I, I was just so overwhelmed by your new, uh, what was it? Your uh, Shade Runner? Yeah, you like that one? <laughs> I do. I like Good. it. So it threw me off my game. <laughs> no problem, Chico. <laughs> well, I'll bring well, back the well. heat. <laughs> As always, bringing the heat on Fanbro's show, like we said, the voice of the Urban Geek. Shout out to all the listeners out there, all the subscribers, everyone out there on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Twitch, uh, I said Twitch, Twitcher, you know, wherever Twitcher. you want to find us. You know, we Twitter, everywhere. Twitter we, and Twitch put together, right? Yeah, basically. <laughs> we places yet, they, they ain't even been invented yet. We over there. Thank okay. you for subscribing. You know, thank you for all the love. It's been a fantastic year. You know, we're wrapping up, but we got a lot more coming. The Four All Nerds Awards is coming very soon. I was working on on lining up a super special guest. Oh my god! Yeah. Like I can't believe it's December. First of all, word. and that we, we're already doing end of the year wrap up. I mean, this year went so quick. Yo, and then like I'm mean, so slow at the same time, you know, because there's just been so much going on. But <laughs> ooh, I mean, we gonna get to all that. Hurts when breathe, but um, right now, you know, I just got to talk about the good things in life because it's been a fantastic year overall. But that Infinity War trailer drop, people were like, "Yo, we need a whole special delivery just on that." Well, you know, it is Monday, so boom, here you go. And bro, I watched it five times. <laughs> five times. Five times. Five times. Five times. Listen. I, oh my gosh, I, I don't know what made me bug out more or it just get me so amped. The fact that it was just Infinity War and we finally, at least from the public view, get to see this story that we've been waiting for or the fact that there were so many 
characters on screen together interacting characters that I love the actors that play those characters that I love it was just mind-blowing no. and I think that is the best word to describe it but it's also that right. everything has been leading to this even the Netflix shows in their own way but the movies Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. everything has been leading to this movie and then that trailer was you know I mean, I, I didn't watch it five times. I watched it three times. But I also watched, did you guys see someone put a uh, an animated version? They took the audio and then put animated clips. That yeah, match. the 90s. That's really dope, too. So I watched yeah. the trailer three times, but then I watched that animated one twice. So I guess you could say I watched it uh, five times. But no, it's everything is leading up to this. And they're delivering, like you said, with all the characters. And um, I mean, I can't wait. This is the first. This is the first Avengers I mean, movie every, that I've decided that I can't wait. True, true. Well, see, I I really, really can't wait to see Beardcat. Like that's my man's right there. I fucks with him so heavy. And then again, just to see him running the scene with Black Panther and mm. having them lead the army. Like, I was just sitting there. Listen, I I don't know what you're about to say, but I don't care. Like that, oh my gosh. I just, I'm just ecstatic. And I know that we always talk about how we don't want to watch too much because we don't want to ruin it for them ourselves. But holy shit, when I said like, I was just really peering through every single ass detail, pausing it. You know you know how we do here at Fan Bros. We, we pause it frame for frame and just pour over the details. And the stuff I've seen, man, oh man. Okay. That I I um you know you know what I'm about to say though. What? Yes, I do. Why well, why Cap got to be leading the army? Listen, listen, listen. I want to say listen. First of all, if we're, we're doing this whole Civil War book, right? Cap is one of the leaders. Okay, he's he's leader on one side, and so they're trying to still do that. I wouldn't really say he's leading the army per se because you still see Black Panther and and everyone else and his team there. I just think that as an overall force, yes, he's leading everybody. But I wouldn't be sitting there and saying, well, he's leading all the black people and he's Moses and all that stuff. Like, <laughs> I think we're we getting a little too ahead of ourselves. I think we're getting... Wait, 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 wait. I mean, let my people go. Going back to what uh, Tatiana was saying earlier about... See, like, my problem is, yes, I love the trailer. But there's so much stuff that I saw that I can't unsee. And then reading people's analysis of it, and it's like... You know, there's a shot of Hulkbuster armor hopping in, in the trailer. Multiple right. shots. Right, and now everyone yes. is saying, now people are like, well, the Hulk is in the Hulkbuster armor. And it's like, I didn't need to know that. Like, I'm yeah. definitely like, yeah, the trailer oh, was it's incredible. Also speculation. I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Like, from Civil War, I definitely wish I'd never seen the the shots of, like, Bucky and Cap fighting uh, Iron Man, you know, where they're passing the shield back and forth. Because when it finally came, uh, it was like I knew it was coming, and so I sort of, you know, and so it wasn't... But, but, but you didn't know, they didn't show you that shot of Iron Man blasting him with the repulsor rays that, you know, mimic the cover of Civil right. War, you know, the epic yeah. shot. So, and, and and then, come on, man, Civil War was so epic. Oh, there yeah, yeah. So many but what all I'm saying is about, uh, like, just watching the trailer and getting too much information and, you know, yeah, analyzing, yeah, yeah. But we, you know. we say this every... Okay, we say but, this But that's because you chose to read oh, the analysis. Oh, I know. Well, well like, you know, on Twitter, you, like, can't, no one, you can't no one help. No one sat I mean, there and forced you. Know, you. You're scanning and, you know. 
things go into your eyes and into your head that you wish you didn't on Twitter. Anyway, can can I say that I loved it myself? I've watched it a few times. You know, it's dope. It's incredible. Don't I mean? I'm not. I'm just Uh, presenting that point. Let let him get his thought out. Let him get his thought out, Chico. Yeah, and I just you know I and okay. First of all, I think it's the Russos, so I trust them. You know, like they did Civil War. They did Winter Soldier too. Oh, absolutely! Drinks. Like you said, Tatiana, you know the bearded cap. I love um Chris Evans. I just think he's so incredible, Steve Rogers. I can't wait to see that. And then just everyone, like you said, all the. And I mean, hold up, Vision and Scarlet Witch. You know, it's like that. That's a moment I've been waiting for since I was a little kid. Like Vision and Scarlet Witch were like my original couple in Marvel universe. Like right. that was the one. You know, and so to see them, you know, hugged I'm- up. And all loving together, that was I'm, like, wow. I'm going to have to rain in your parade. Okay. As as dope as that relationship is in the books, I really don't see it in the films. I never really cared for Elizabeth Olsen and, and Homeboy together. Yep. The, it's, the chemistry isn't there for me. And like mm-hmm. when I see all of this attention and energy being put into... Like forcing you to watch this. It was this. two seconds. No, but I, I. No, I'm talking about. I'm not talking. Let me finish. I'm not talking about just Infinity War trailer. I mean, throughout this whole thing with the oh. Avengers, like they've been throwing this relationship down my throat, and I and I personally, maybe again, it's just the actors portraying it and their yeah, interactions. I, I, I don't care, and I and I'm like, okay, I get it. They're together. I get it. I get it. I get it. Wait, wait let me just say, I, I think everything Tatiana said is exactly right. But I like Ben was a huge fan of. Scarlet Witch and Vision, and as a couple, I mean, when I was a teenager or a kid, and, like, there was a robot and a mutant couple, and then they have a kid, and, you know, the whole thing was they were a really dope couple, but I actually do agree that it's been a total, one of the few sort of dud, it just doesn't work. They don't have chemistry, and she's kind of whack, and I liked her in a couple other things, but she's kind of whack as the Scarlet Witch, and, um... I do like him. You don't like her, as you say, her gang Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I do like him alone a little more than I like her alone, but um, it isn't hitting as much in the sense that that was, like, one of the best storylines in the Avengers in, like, the 70s and the 80s, you know? Yeah, agreed. I or mean, ongoing plot things, but... so... It's on, un- but it's yeah, unfortunate because the way the way so far it's it's it gets a thumbs down from me, like everything Tatiana just said. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> but of course you're excited. And you have a right to be excited because Thank you're you. absolutely it's from the books. I'm just saying that I I don't agree with my your excitement personally. Uh, I, I I'm just understand. annoyed by them. I fully yeah. understand. The other things in it that I really were excited were about, and I actually had to even look at a breakdown to even see this stuff. Was like when they showed there's the quickest glimpse of a member of the Black Order throwing her spear at uh it looks like to be Captain America, and you know it's so quick that you know you won't even see it if you don't even know it. And I've been looking for them because there's four of them and you only see the one of them in the trailer. I know a mm. lot of people were like really you know saying Thanos really needs his helmet. Mm. Thanos, Probably. well, according to the Fan Bro Show Twitter feed, Thanos looks like Mr. Raisin's father, um, uh, the California right. Raisin's father. So he kind of does. Uh, I mean, you know, the resemblance is there. But, <laughs> but but overall, you know, this stuff looked incredible. Everything looked great. I mean, we're not even talking about Tom Holland. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's fire. You know, we got Black Panther coming up next, Infinity War. Marvel on the movie side can do no wrong. Get this man a shield. That line, man. <laughs> I Somebody get sorry, this like man a, a shield. 
overall, I'm just really, really super excited about this film. I can't wait to see it. I know some of us may be seeing a little sooner than uh, later. Um, and, you know, we'll talk more about it once we get there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like I said, Marvel can do no wrong on the movie side. Now, on the comic book side, there's uh, might be a, you know, a few things they could fix. Like what? Oh, Lord have mercy. All right. Well, their new editor-in-chief, C.B. Belusti, at one uh, point in time was an uh, author. And uh, um, he decided to go under a pen name <sighs> that was decidedly Japanese and invent a whole backstory for this person. So basically, he impersonated a Japanese person because he said that at that time, Marvel wouldn't hire you as a writer if you were an editor. So he was like, let me just... Right, no, 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 know. wait. There's a whole, wait, there's a yeah. whole backstory to this. So in the 80s and 90s, all the Marvel writers were just other editors. And so people were basically just being like, okay, I'll let you write my book if you let me write your book. And mm-hmm. so you got to a point where other than a couple of like stars, it was all editors writing. Mm-hmm. Like Mark Grunewald wrote Captain America for like yep. 15 years. He was an editor at um, Marvel the whole time. Wow. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. So they then made a rule in like the late 90s, early 2000s, you couldn't do it because it became this really incestuous thing. And um, and it was a lot of money was involved because if you were writing a hit book, a hit comic, you got like residuals and stuff like that. Yep. So people were just like, you know, giving their friends work and then their friends were giving it to them. So they did pass this rule. Apparently, this guy was an editor at Marvel and he wanted to write something. So he created a he created this pseudonym, a Japanese pseudonym and created a fake, you know, whatever. Right. But he went too far. Oh, yeah. I mean, he already went too far to me in choosing the name of the pseudonym. But he went more than just making a pseudonym. He created a fake person. And then rolled on the the culture of said fake person. Oh, I know, I know. To further his own interests, his <laughs> his pen name or his pseudonym, and fake person that he created was his name was Akira Yoshida, and he did this. They said like thirteen years ago or so, and and he has many pieces of work under this name. But not only did he make up this pen name to get to not to number one skirt around the rules that are in place for a reason, but he also did it and decided that he was going to take it to the point of during a, a in-person meeting he hired a japanese translator to pose as said akira yoshida he pulled the ben right, affleck so and goodwill hunting and <laughs> what the fuck right i mean to, there is some some degree in which my i didn't actually know that at all but um, oh, yeah i by the way i'm not on this guy's side in any way i just thought it was interesting that people know this backstory that there was this whole thing where it was just like you know, you're just literally giving the guy who pees next to you the, you know, assignment to write Spider-Man because they're going to give you the assignment to write the Hulk and Daredevil, you know? Yep. So that just that background, I thought, what was important. I did not know that he hired a Japanese man. I mean, it does sound like, you know, something that he, uh, you know, obviously got, you know, from beyond his control. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know if anyone is saying it, but it's just obvious that it... it you can't have this guy as your editor in chief, and Marvel has to let him go and hire somebody else. Wow! I mean, he's he's the I think his editor he's the editor in chief. Like he was just named. They fired Axel, although it said Axel left. I mean, that's that I don't you know whatever. And so they went from having their first you know um, Latinx uh, 
and person of color, to my knowledge, like editor in chief, to having a dude who impersonates a white dude who impersonates <laughs> Japanese people. So like, that's not a good look. So basically, not, that's not a good look. No, oh, so basically, not only did they pull Ben Affleck and I mean, he pulled the Ben Affleck and Goodwill Hunting. They pulled an Obama and Trump. Like you know, they got the best and then they went to the worst. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I, I mean, there were some. There's some stuff that definitely went down under Axel's regime. No, oh, I mean, there's stuff you know? that goes down under. But yeah, a- absolutely, you're right. I mean, yeah. there's no, you know, yeah. The, you, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I just I can't believe people aren't actively saying you just can't have a dude going in who it's like, he, you know, he's running around impersonating Japanese people. I mean, well, that's okay. that's or a Japanese guy. I mean, all right. Well, uh, I, I mean, it's like, isn't that? I mean, how different is that than Soul Man? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, he hired a Japanese man. I mean, it's pretty outrageous. I mean, the only thing he could have been in this, the only thing he could have done. Yeah, the only thing that he could have done in this in this situation that would have been worse was literally put on like yellow face and makeup spoken in an accent, like in the meeting. Like that's the only thing he could have done that would have been worse than anything that he did. Oh my god. And they certainly oh, couldn't hire man. him if he did that. So I feel like it should at least be like it's just not a good look. You know, like it, it's so crazy how today on Twitter I'm arguing this dude down about how Tessa Thompson is Brunhild, the Valkyrie. You know that the is Valkyrie, her character. Right, right. She's Brunhild. Not on, not in the sheet of Valkyrie. Right. She's Brunhild. You know and. And like we got this guy over here who's now editor in chief, and like you said, soul man. <laughs> like, right. Jeez. Wow. So it, it seems, yeah, it seems it's you know, I don't know. It seems seems it seems like a real you know humdinger. One of these totally unforced errors, you know. I've never heard that. No, it is a humdinger. <laughs> it really oh is. wow! And um, speaking of humdingers. You know, we've Jeez. got a huge, another epic winner. You know, we had Ray Fisher up in the hot seat a few weeks ago, Cyborg Justice League, doing all kind of big things. But right now, we got, I mean, this is a classic. I mean, for me alone, like we said, 2017's been so crazy. And we have Michael Green. Mm. I mean, the man's on just, you know, the screenwriting run of the year. He also happens to be my boss. But uh, this interview was recorded before some news came out this week. And, uh, yeah. Jesus Christo. Yeah, so before we go to break, you know, um, Brian Fuller and Michael Green have left American Gods due to creative differences. Well, but I mean, considering you're a writer on said show, how do you oh, feel? Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Maybe maybe oh. we should listen to the interview first. Maybe come we back should. To you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a hurts and breathe <laughs> break here, and we'll be right back with more fan bros. Hey, it's Laura Harrier. I play Liz in the new Spider-Man Homecoming movie, and you're listening to Fan Bros. Hey 
And what's up, Internets? Welcome back to yet another incredible episode of Fan Bros Show. I know you are loving it. And, you know, it's time to get turned up in here. We haven't had, you know, we've been slacking on our interviews a little lately. <laughs> you know, we're just, we just saving the good ones for the end of the year because right now we are welcoming the screenwriter himself. I mean, the man has had an incredible run this year. He's okay. Logan. Alien <laughs> Covenant. He's barely okay. Blade Runner 2049, Murder on the Orient, as well as the producer and creator of American Gods, happens to be my boss. <laughs> <laughs> so say nice shit or shit goes down. Right. Let's let's welcome Michael Green to the spaceship. Oh, please don't. Please don't. There you Wait, go. Ben, how weird is this now? Because it's just like... Really, if you say something wrong, are you going to have to like go to HR or something? Is there an HR? <laughs> yes, there is. And uh, I'll send him to HR right right quick. Wow. It's like uh, Mr. World it's, it's HR? First, but you know. It's the first time he's in control of a conversation we've had. <laughs> I'm now entering his dojo. And, you know, for, for the last couple of weeks, months, he's been in mine. And I'm like, no, you sit over there. And I was like, I walked into my office just now and he'd rearranged the furniture. That's what this conversation is is like. So it's like, oh wait, no, okay, we are in his dojo now. Even just that whole like way you went in, I've never heard you use your DJ voice. No, you haven't. No, that I was know. like, I, I, like I know you DJ. I don't know what a DJ Michael, really does. Michael, do you know what this yeah. is? What what is? This is reparations. <laughs> just saying. We're going to come into your room and rearrange it. This is what happens. That's it. it, it I, I deserve far worse. There's so much worse. I'm not the worst boss. No, no not no. at all. No, Brian. And uh, most of that, I, I, thank you. You gave me a nice introduction there. Most of that's like co-written, co-created. I uh, co-created American Gods with Brian Fuller, who's in the next office now. And uh, uh, Look, he's being so good. He's directing me forward to lean closer to the mic. Excellent. Because he wants your listeners to hear my stupid words. <laughs> Uh, I was I was saying that uh, uh, you know you can't you can't talk about any of the work I've done without talking about the wonderful people I've gotten to work with, uh, including and especially Brian Fuller, who has also been a means boss. Yes. Who's I wonder if you'd rearrange his furniture. I gotta say I would because otherwise I look like you know I'm just rearranging yours and not his. I know? just think that I'm the shorter one, so I'm less physically threatening. <laughs> no, but Brian I'm, Fuller's like seven foot twelve. But it's also like you know the movie you worked on, uh, Logan. I'm I'm definitely afraid. I did of not Lord. do the stunts. No, <laughs> that I wasn't beheaded you? no. I beheaded no mohawk guy. Ah. Oh. But see, I'm like definitely afraid of Laura, so it's not about size. Oh, you so, should, yeah, be. You yeah, should yeah, be. yeah, yeah, definitely. She's she's remarkable. what what went into really creating? I mean, there obviously is a template there, but what went into bringing Laura to life? Like, this is a different this is a different way. Uh, you know what? Uh, a, a lot. First of all, it was based on a comic. Second of all, I was working on that job uh, with the director James Mangold, who had done Wolverine before, and he was coming into it with a very uh, <clears throat> specific tone. And yeah. it was my job to, at that stage, because, you know, other writers worked on that before, or one other writer worked on it before, um, and had tried some things that didn't work. And then uh, he finished it out later. You know, he's a very strong writer in his own right, working with his partner, Scott Frank. So I, I was there in a, a period where he was helping figure out what this movie could be. He knew the ingredients he had, which ones should be in, which ones should fall out. And what, what do we make of this character, Laura? Uh, it was a chance to do something different, do something strange. We had something in the comic and there are elements of the comic that are great, but it's also, you know, 
it's silly comic. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, she starts as a really interesting little girl, but the speed with which the further writers and artists chose to cheesecake her mm-hmm. really bummed me out. Mm-hmm. And so we knew we didn't want that. We wanted a respectable, you know, kick-ass, broken, uh, dark mirror to what Logan is, was, could be, imagined himself uh, to be. Um, so I don't know. I'm rambling on a non-specific question, but it's it's... It was the chance to do something different and weird. I mean, we talked about a lot of different versions. The, I, you know, one of the first things we talked about is that I think she shouldn't talk, and we went down that road for a while, and that got a lot of people scared. And then I wrote versions where she talked a lot more, and then it went back to let's ever not talk at all, but only <laughs> she starts speaking, like let's ever not say anything until she finally speaks here, and he looks at her like you fucking talk, uh, <laughs> and then that went back in, and then um, I think one of the best uh, things that evolved after when I was writing on it uh, was that she speaks Spanish and that's right. her primary language. Because, uh, you know, there, there were elements of that, but that was something that uh, Jay Mangold and Scott Frank really brought home in a way that I can't wait to take credit for publicly. Do, <laughs> oh, here you go. There do you, you go. do you know Ben I mean lives in fear of this little girl? Like in sheer terror. I think he lives in fear of all women. Mm. And she just happens to be one with knives that are inside her. So it's more just like perforce as a female human. He's terribly afraid. And he's right to be. As you should. No, no. She's she's a ferocious creature. Uh, But but here's the thing about that character. I think there's a lot of hope in her. Uh, That was the thing. It's, you know, she was broken, but not as broken as Logan and... (laughs) There's a chance for that soul to ascend to heaven because there's a chance for her because of him. Uh, so I think that that's, I don't know. I, I, I would be so excited for any subsequent movies with her, but I also don't want to, I just want to know that like, I'm, I was so happy with where that ended. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to see yeah, a Logan sequel. A Logan sequel? You want to see X-23 X-23 sequel. X-23 sequel, yeah, yeah. But but to your point, I don't know if that would that like kind of tarnish that image I have of her. Like she is the dopest thing. I don't know because she's, and also she's a kid, which means she's going to grow up. She's a, she's yeah, still she's a human. You know, I, I'm I'm with you. It's it's one. It's tough. Those type of things. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like, if there's a great, amazing movie, everyone's always like, "How would fucking dare you?" Do? Like, all right, I'm, <laughs> gonna shift gears on my own project. But like, you know, I'm the asshole who said I'm going to write a Blade Runner sequel, and plenty of people said that you should not bother do that because that's my dad's favorite movie and my favorite movie. Uh, and uh, why would you mess with something great? Mm. And the answer is only if you're going to do something great. And here's what I'll say about any potential for a uh, next twenty three movie: mm-hmm. the people involved there. Uh, Jim Mangold, I'm sure Scott Frank, uh, the studio involved, um, no one there will move ahead unless it is the right movie to make. They are excellent at their job. They are artists. They are thoughtful. They are mindful of their own legacy with a movie that did work out, and they would only do something if it was, really, you want to do another one? Oh, thank God you did another one. Mm. So uh, trust in Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, I just called James Mangold Jesus. I was thinking. Jim, Logan. I was thinking. Jim, I have a, he knows I have a lot of admiration for you, but for him, but uh, I, I, I've never messiahed him before. I actually was thinking Jesus from American Gods, but okay. Oh, there you go, uh, Jeremy Davies. He's um, our Jesus Prime. All right, now switching gears a little bit. Like, I mean, you've obviously you know had an incredible year and everything, but going back, when did you first know that you wanted to be a writer? Oh gosh, uh, I knew I wanted to be a writer before I knew what that meant. Like, there was just something about sitting in front of a, you know, keyboard typewriter, early computer that that just felt right. Uh, and then I'm in college and I was writing a lot of just stupid stuff, plays, um, humor things in the newspaper, uh, you know, theater things, um, even a musical comedy. And 
with friends, by myself, things that were published, things that weren't. And there was something about it that felt right, but I was figuring it out. I mean, who know, you know, no one no one's a great writer in their teens and 20s. Um, or at least not most. And uh, I, but I didn't know what it meant. I didn't grow up around, you know, I grew up in Westchester, New York, home of like lawns, Jeep Cherokees, people in finance, lawyers and Jews and <laughs> Uh, but not Hollywood Jews, like <laughs> finance Jews and, uh, and real estate Jews like my dad. And, uh, you know, and I just said, hey, dad, I want to try writing uh, when I got out of college. And, and uh, my parents are wonderful. Uh, you should interview them. They're 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 lovely people. Oh, my God. They should be on Fan Bros. Han and Ellen Green. <laughs> I would love it. Oh, my God. So did they, New York. Did, did they encourage you? Their you? Apartment. <laughs> it would be great. You would love them. Um, did they encourage you? They did. They did encourage me. They're like, all right. My dad said, look, I don't know what that means to be a writer but you know here are the two people i know who know any like someone who was on the board of the jewish repertory theater and like gave me an internship reading scripts there so i could learn about that and um and and just saying like you know look try that if it doesn't work then we'll talk about a, a real job or a career or grad school or medical school which was always the the thing that i thought i would end up doing um and uh i got stupid lucky stupid quickly i, mm. I really did uh it was just a bizarre series of events that got me to, you know, I have terrible timing in most of my life. I, you know, am clumsy and oafish and make stupid mistakes and drop things and step on my headphones and break them. And if I had reading glasses, I would sit on them. <laughs> um, but once in my life, timing worked out and I uh, got on the right show to start and, you know, and, and started a TV writing career. So, um, you know, uh, uh, yeah, I, I didn't I, I got those jobs before I even knew what they were and was lucky enough to learn on the job and to work for great people. Did you have because you, you spoke about how you were incredibly lucky, but were there any like actual challenges during that time? Oh, uh, you know, none that one complains about and expects sympathy. Like <laughs> they didn't get my lunch order right. <laughs> ah, curse you. <laughs> I ordered tuna with mustard and this is additional mayonnaise. Why would you put mayonnaise on a tuna sandwich when it's already a mayonnaise-based salad? <laughs> so nothing. Tomatoes you... are out of season. <laughs> if anything, they should be cherry tomatoes, which are at least hydroponic. Just fan bros. Just yeah, so I'm not you... done. I'm not done. I'm going to keep doing this. Fan bros, so you know, Michael Green said he was going to derail this as much as possible, okay? So you guys got to know the truth. But no, but so, so you would say that you just had a perfect ride throughout the whole time? Uh, yeah, here's the, here's the truth. Uh, you know, a lot of people have a lot of hard, I got, I got in very luckily. I tended to work with really strong, wonderful, supportive, uh, bosses. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, the first guy who gave me a job was Darren Starr on Sex and the City. Mm -hmm. Great guy. Uh, he could have given, you know, it was the moment where like, Hey, I'll give her, you know, he wanted to put on a staff writer just cause why don't I give someone their first job and HR or, you know, the business affairs people at HBO. Uh, my 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 agent you know told me they said to him, "Oh, why don't we just give him a script fee, you know, and you don't have to bother with bother putting him on staff?" And he specifically said, "No, I want to give someone his first job." Mm. And uh, so I, I I take that to heart. I try to give someone their first job on every show I work on as many you know as often as possible, um, uh, because people did that for me. And so I, and then yeah, you know, predominantly like when you work in television. You have a ton of problems. It's really hard work. It can be grueling. It is grueling day to day. Um, you deal with more math than you ever thought you would. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's it's really really hard and it's really really challenging. But the kind of problems you face are not the kind of problems that like 
people have real problems would ever say that's a real problem. Got it, got it. You know, it. it's just, it's, it's um, hard, grueling work uh, and incredibly fun and rewarding and you get to make shit. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's the old joke. Can't complain, probably will. Um, uh. I don't even know if it's the old joke. It's a joke I make all the time. So it's my old joke. There you go. There you go. Um, now, like we said, you've had an incredible year. You know, you wrote on Logan, Alien Covenant, Blade Runner. You wrote Murder on the Orient. Like, no other really screenwriter in history has had a year like this. How do you uh, top it? I don't want to top it. That was really <laughs> fucking hard. I, I, I want to do like half that every year for the rest of my life, and that'd be fine. Um, Look, you know, it's a bizarre confluence of events. I mean, I didn't write five movies in one year or four movies in one year in a TV show. Um, that represents five years of work stacked over time. I mean, I started writing Blade Runner four and a half years before it came out, uh, sometimes on, sometimes off, you know, or little bits here and there. But, like, the first full draft I wrote was 2014 sometime, you know. Mm. Uh, or, no, I'm sorry, even before that. Um you know, Brian Fuller and I wrote the pilot for American Gods, uh, 2014, 2015. And on either side of that effort, I was I wrote the first half and then the second half of Murder on the Orient Express. Mm -hmm. So these things take time. I mean, movies can take three, four years. Uh, my daughter, who is nine now, when Blade Runner came out and we came back tipsy from the premiere, uh, you know, she or the next morning, uh, still <laughs> a little tipsy. Daughter. No, no, she wasn't. She didn't get to know that. Um, She's like, so, you know, she was all excited and she wanted to hear all about it. But she's like, wait a minute, you were, you've been working on this since I was four and a half. Wow. And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> what have you done? You didn't even win the spelling bee in your class. She got out on, what was the word? Oh, I forgot. It was really easy, but she should have gotten it. <laughs> I'm sure you did not talk to your daughter in not, that way. I did not. No, I'm kidding. I melted. And I'm like, I tried really hard and you, you can I, <laughs> She's nine. I did. I did uh, watch the first Blade Runner with her. Um, she got through half of it. Uh, then we had to like go to dinner or something, and she was into it. And I'm, like, I, I'm, I'm very permissive with my kids. My parents were with me. Like whatever they thought I could watch, like our movies, whatever they didn't care. Uh, my mom's very European about all that, and so my kids just whatever they're interested in, they can watch. The problem is my kids rebel against me by saying, well, we're not so into movies. Uh, my son says, I get too scared, so he doesn't want to see anything. But my daughter finally now turned the corner and said she wants to see movies all the time. And she started with, uh, it was it was a really nice, I'm going to do one sincere moment, then back to jokes about mayonnaise. Um, <laughs> she told me last week she wanted to see Murder on the Orient Express opening weekend. She was like, she was mad she didn't get to go to the premiere. Aww. Uh, I said, you want, you want to go? She's like, yeah, get us tickets, let's go. There's going to be popcorn, caramel corn. She like listed out. And I said, sure. And we went. Went to a 5.30 show. And it was right before uh, it got tickets for the whole American Gods office to go. Same theater, the 70 yeah. mil at the Arclight. And we went at 5.30 and uh, she w she loved it. And she was like, that wasn't scary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought there'd be a murder. <laughs> what the hell? I thought it was going to be blood and shit. She's like, what? the only blood was from a dollhouse shot. Far away, Dad. Come on, where's my macro? How would you feel and if she uh, followed in your footsteps? I would be thrilled. I, I You know what? She's got a storytelling chip. She's a total pain in the ass wise ass has is very funny and uh has really really expensive taste in food so i was, <laughs> as i'm like you know what as as her father it is my job to make sure she like learns to ride a bike swim uh defend herself uh socially and physically and to make sure she knows the fundamentals of network procedural writing 
There you go. <laughs> so it's like, darling, my daughter, you don't need to write cops, lawyers, doctors, but you do need to know how to structure that episode. And if you want to go on Law and Order, you now can afford all the sushi in the world. <laughs> now, you said that you wanted to be a writer since before you were, you know, even. Are you retracking us? No, no, okay. no, no, no. We, we were all, you know, we got to, we're, we're always, you know, making Three, sure that everyone. Okay, okay. You know, just yeah. in case they started listening to the interview like 30 minutes into it. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, so we're talking to someone with a very nasally voice who you've specifically asked me to talk into the microphone. So anyone who is now saying, I can't listen to this, that voice is too annoying, it's, it's been a means fault for telling me uh, to do this. There we go. Yeah. But how long have you known that you were a geek? How far back does your geek history go? Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to challenge the fundamentals of the question. Uh-oh. I don't like the term geek. There I don't like go. nerd. Why? I don't like geek. Uh, first of all, they're pejorative. Oh, Really? They are. What or says who? Uh, let me let me let me let me take it this direction, and I encourage you to challenge me because I'm not right about anything I ever say. Okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, we, they have been pejorative. Now I know it's you know take back. Yeah, I'm a geek. I mean, it's it's always it's like that stupid coverage of Comic Con every year when local news goes out there and goes, look at geek culture. <laughs> it's like fuck you. This is culture. Mm. This is the dominant mainstream like biggest shit out there is the shit that was considered fringy and uh, you know on the periphery of interest for so fucking long and the thing is it was always a lie it was never true that comic books were just for young boys yeah. it was never true that star wars was only for you know silly nerdlings and star trek were for you know borderline you know uh personality uh you know fringy types and uh thanks michael cuspy taste thanks they've always been for everyone and everyone always loved them i mean what i've heard a zillion times from people who love star trek is that those that was the show they watched with their parents yes and that that was a family movie night so fuck everyone for saying like oh only the weirdos it's like you know what and and now the, the, the opposite side of that is that People who are super into sports call like people who are super into sports sports nerds. Right. It's like, right, no, right. they're just people who like sports enough to like care about the math of it. No, I don't know sports. I can't even give you a specific about that. Except I know that like everyone, you know, that deep passion for something, for giving a shit about something that you love, whether it's a literature nerd or a sports nerd or a policy wonk, they're all pejoratives, meaning that go back to this fundamental stupid fucking idea that caring about something a lot is a bad thing and a fringe thing and something we should make fun of people about. So all of that is to say that I've always loved the things I love and I've always loved them with pride. And I was always kind of baffled to find out that people were like, I mean, I came out, you know, and started writing in television and I was kind of in, you know, uh, quiet about how much I like comics. Uh, growing up and that, that was something I love because it wasn't a value add and people would make fun of it because of the assumption that's geek culture. Uh, and I do remember the first meeting I ever had for, uh, r- you know, for writing job where having read comics and being able to speak that language to a degree, not compared to the real, like real, real aficionados that I work with later, mm-hmm. um, but was a value add. And it was uh, when I was meeting for Smallville season one. And I'm like, you know, we're sitting there and we're talking about you know, teen shows and characters and the things that I was really responding to. And, um, uh, and then I suddenly was like, wait a minute, I can actually talk about my favorite Superman arcs here and that'll be a good thing. And it, it goes back to like, that was the show that I worked on where the idea of having fringe, geeky, nerdy tastes, which I'd always had, um, was, was no longer like 
fringy, geeky, nerdy. It was, it right. was actually like I was being paid seriously great money. <laughs> I bought a condo <laughs> on what was considered being geeky for a long time. So um, the, the, now all that, you know, jumping up and down on the table, yeah, which you didn't ask for. Uh, the answer is summer camp when I was 11 years old. <laughs> But she... I was in a sports camp, and it was all these kids who loved sports, and I really, really didn't. And I found the one other kid who was just super not into this, and I'm like, hey, I'm doing lanyards. What are you doing? Because I got really good at lanyards. <laughs> you like, could do the box. Made... You could probably still do it. I could still. My daughter came to me with her, and like my son and daughter, they were really like, hey, do you know this? I'm like, sit down. <laughs> <laughs> who wants to see Tornado Stitch? <laughs> And I got all like the like super broy counselors to like me because I made them the best whistle chains. Um, but then there was this one kid, uh, Kenny, who had a stack of comics, yay high, and that was what he was doing while I was re- doing the lanyards. And um, he's like, "Here, read these." And you know, I'd read my Archies and my Richie Rich. I actually grew up in a house down the street from Mister Harvey, who had created Harvey Comics. Wow. In Larchmont, New York, and Larchmont, New York, also home of uh, Archie. It was wow. published out of Larchmont. I don't so know do if it still is. They're beef. I mean, like, were they fighting? Like, you know? No, no. <laughs> oh, okay. Like, like Harvey and Archie in the same town? Like, no, no. There's Westchester, New York. What is this, like, Highlander in no Westchester? The They're just like, oh, your your lawn should be mowed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I will do it after weeding it. These are very just, you know, simple, polite folk with no problems. Um, So uh, I, 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 then I read, but I read Spider-Man and Batman, and I'd read a couple here and there, but, like, they just spoke to me then. And he had arcs. I'm like, arcs? Because I'd read individual ones where it's like, you know, it ends in a cliffhanger and you never find out whether he gets out of the vulture's clutches. Spoiler, he does. Um, <laughs> and uh, But this was like, no, he's like, you got to read them in order. I'm like, in order? There's a number on the cover? <gasps> There's a number on the cover. And um, I fucking loved it. And I knew what to do that summer. We sat there and read comics while everyone else played soccer. Wow. Yeah. Now, you know, one of your big geek moments, obviously, was writing on, you know, the film Green Lantern. Yeah, that was fun. What, what was it like versus when you got the call versus when you saw the final? Okay, movie? yeah, so it wasn't fun seeing the movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, hey, Michael, now that I have you, I hated that movie. I hated the <laughs> fuck out of that movie. Oh, my God. Uh, that is uh, fair, and uh, it, 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 was, it was heartbreaking. Um, you want a story? Yeah. Yes. Sure. I mean, um, so, so, you know, I'm a television writer, I'm writing on Heroes, and one of my dear friends and longtime uh, uh, co-writer, collaborators, Greg Berlanti, calls me, mm-hmm. uh, super showrunner, uh, and, and wonderful human being, and he said, hey, I think I got the job writing Green Lantern, potentially for me to direct, but who the hell knows, uh, do you want to get in there? And, like, there are a number of jobs I've gotten calls about that I just screamed yes without thinking, like, ah! And, um... <laughs> You know, like the Blade Runner joke about my daughter being saying I was four and a half when you started, these things take time. From that first call when we started working really, really hard on it, uh, I had a girlfriend and a dog when we got the job. Uh, it was with Mark Guggenheim, another uh, wonderful friend, collaborator. Um, we wrote it together. Uh, when when that movie came out, I had a wife, a dog, and two kids. Uh, that, you know, it was five years um, from, from start to finish through just a long, arduous development process. Um, and in the last year of it, we were essentially fired off the movie. Um, you know, we wrote it for a director. Uh, well, we wrote it for a studio and then wrote it for a director. Greg Melanti was set to do it. And then um, he, he was told by Warner Brothers they weren't going to let him direct the movie. And they brought on someone who then we rewrote it for him. 
and a very strong director whose work I'd liked on other things. Um, but sometimes you get a feeling early on and, you know, it's my first feature job. So you just, you're there to show up and do your darndest and try to take the director's interests and make it as good as possible. But when you start to suspect early on that this person doesn't have the right connection to the material, you worry. And, um, you know, I, we spent the better part of a year politely debating notes that would turn it into something that we didn't think would be a good film. Mm. Uh, and keeping it within, you know, trying to make it something the director wanted because that is your job at that point um, and for production as well. Uh, but at the same time, not letting it be something that was unrecognizable to us, you know, that didn't uh, uphold the values of Green Lantern. You know, I love Green Lantern growing up. We all did. Uh, Greg even more than I did. And so we knew what, you know, whenever you're adapting anything, you have to think, what is it I love about this? Right. And you have to make a movie about that. And if you don't do that, then you're not telling anyone what there is to love about it. And sometimes you are working with someone who doesn't have the appropriate love of something or can't access it. And I think that's what came out in the final film. So eventually, you know, we were fired for not doing you know, and someone was brought on and did all the notes we wouldn't do. And that was the movie you saw. And mm. while I'm, it was thrilling to see my name in 3D, uh, it was not a movie I was very proud of. And, I, you know, from the first time I saw a scene cut together, I my stomach turned and I went, oh, this is going to be bad. And, oh, you know, no. but your job is to be a cheerleader and to say, right. you know, I, I mean, I would, you know, I went and visited the set and they showed us some cutscenes, And uh, I thought the aesthetics of it, the production design on it was very promising, but right. it was just not being directed in a way that I felt was going to be a movie that anyone would really feel great about. Well, that, well that's, Yes, I've met people like yeah. in foreign countries who watched it subtitled, who thought it was cool. But it wasn't a, an emotional film. It wasn't a great film. Uh, but as my friend and co-writer on it, Mark Guggenheim, says, there's a perfectly Googleable script that we wrote <laughs> out there that I stand by. And, uh, you know, I learned a lot. Here, here's the other thing. I learned how to write big movies on that job. I learned how to write, you know, a superhero movie, writing a superhero movie. And so I'm incredibly grateful to Warner Brothers for giving us the shot, uh, for Greg Berlanti for calling me, for, you know, and everyone, everyone on that, producers, you know, uh, Donald DeLine, Learned a lot from working with Martin Campbell, again, who I, I love other of his movies, and I learned a lot from his point of view, but I just, I didn't like it either, and uh, that's hard to say. Um, I have a pair of New Balance sneakers they gave us as a gift when the movie came out that are, you know, Green Lantern New Balance sneakers wow. that have been sitting in my closet for this many years, and I've never worn them. Oh, you and need to. Kids, and my kids came into my closet the other day, and they're like, you never wear these. What's up? Get rid of them or wear them. And I had that moment of like, I'm gonna start fucking wearing those sneakers. Hell like, yeah. I got to write. Like, as I, I'm with you, Tatiana. Totally fair. We can pick it apart. But I would, if I knew now, like what I you know, knew then, what I know now, I would have said yes to that job. I would have gone and done it again. And I got to write a fucking Green Lantern movie. Um, and for four and a half years until we were, you know, replaced on it. Right. We were called up at various points when I had a million other things to do, like on my fucking honeymoon. I got a call saying they desperately need a rewrite right now. Oh, I need a damn. couple things. You have to, and in uh, Hawaii with my pregnant wife who had put damn. up with me working around the clock on my first TV show I ran uh, for a year before, I put time in to rewrite. Because, and every time it was like the timing was a bummer, the deadlines were a bummer, but the work was always fucking joyous. I'm sitting here writing 
Green Lantern and making this shit work and having fun doing it. Like it was play. I got to play for fun and money. You know, uh, the it would have I would have liked it better if it was a better movie. Sure. Right, bro. You need to either wear those Green Lantern sneakers or put them on eBay. You know how many hype beasts would pick that up? Oh my god! You know how much? Any, and wait, you used the term. You, what was the? Oh, name? oh hype beasts! Hype beasts! You ever see people me. running around wearing Supreme and all sorts of things and and killing I got themselves? It from context. I love that. There you go. <laughs> That was like the when I watched Lemonade for the first time of ten thousand times, and I heard the term side piece, and like, and I just stopped it, and I and I'm, I turned to my wife, I'm like, I just learned from context cues an amazing phrase, I, I understand an entire world in one line. Oh God! Oh, I didn't no. even know that was a thing. It's such a great phrase. It's such too. a great phrase. Phrase, and my wife's like, you didn't know that? I'm like, well, isn't it great that I didn't? Yeah, I'm mad your wife did. Yeah, I know. It's like, honey, why do you know side piece? He's like, I don't know. Why do I? Yeah, that's not a, a term you want to like pick up around that, with your wife. I think, I think she was really pleased at how delighted I was to have learned it. You know, A, because I'm a moron, and B, because she's like, if you had one, she would have referred to herself as one. Oh, oh no. Uh, so, yeah. And I'm like, that's a thing. Let's go get some. So, hype beast. Which I is just, hard to say because the P and the B. I'm just yeah. imagine you like typing this on like an Apple too, like because I'm just <laughs> it's just it's so funny to me. It really is. This is great. Wait, which part? Both. Oh, <laughs> okay. everything, everything. I had an Apple too. I wrote my <laughs> first spec on an Apple too. That's I'm an old fart. I start. I was a kid for so long. Now I'm an old fart who has Apple two E stories. <laughs> It was monochromatic, green, like oh, don't leave God. the screen on too long or it'll burn in. Oh man. Okay, so wait, so I don't I don't know if you know this, Michael, but fam- I, I I guarantee you whatever comes out of your mouth next, you, you, I did not you know. You don't know this, but but <laughs> Fanbro show, this show, we are known as the voice of the urban geek or the multicultural maestros, okay? Okay. So you yourself, you've championed many different voices in all your production. So what inspires that? You just want to give back? Is it something else? Um, I don't have a general philosophy of it. I, I've never found myself or my life or my experience terribly interesting. Mm. Uh, and the truth is, it's not very. Like, I had a lovely, you know, warm suburban upbringing. Uh, you know, I, and then my days from my mid-20s to now are spent in badly lit offices typing or talking about typing or dealing <laughs> with production stuff. So if I were to try to only use my experience I would only be able to bring in what I read you know like my life is not that interesting and uh, I you know the people who were interested in film when I was younger and developing my voice who had had similar backgrounds to my own they were all obsessive with like cops and cons and reservoir dogs and like crime shit Mm. and uh, aping Tarantino now because those were the great movies when we were coming up. But also, it was in the absence of being interested in anything else or having any other experience. It the, You know, you always knew what kind of work you were going to get out of someone who had a Reservoir Dogs poster in their dorm room. Oh, I had one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And... Uh, I had, like, three. Your scenes better not reflect that shit. But not say it isn't a great movie that didn't blow all our heads off. It's, you know, if I saw another, like, you know, Jewish kid my age trying to write crime shit... Yeah. It was just, it was all people putting on masks because they hadn't figured out what their face looked like. Mm. And what I realized is that my face looked like my interests and that I had a facility 
for voices and getting inside things, and that I had a facility to teach myself how to become a writer who can write things I was interested in. So that there are things I can do to become someone who's capable of writing things out of my experience, but I had to do those things. And one of those things is working with people who have different experiences than mine. Um, you know, I, so that, that means I just get energy and inspiration from talking to people who are not me or the people I grew up with. Um, and then it's just having varied interests. I think writers are only as interesting in what they're as what they're interested in. Mm -hmm. uh, I, t I talk to you know young film students all the time, and I'm always I, I, I always feel terrible saying it, but it's got to be said. It don't take film classes. <laughs> like thank you. Why don't oh, do okay. it? Like, I wish you so met so, my mom. so wait. But this is a good thing because people ask us all the time what they should be doing, what should be doing to prepare. Yeah, yeah I mean, take film classes, fine. But, but no, like, but why? Why it, you say no? Well, it was the same reason when I, when I was in college and uh, studying, I didn't want to be an English major because I knew I had a lifetime to read those books and to read the criticisms of those books. Like I could get the reading lists and I could be an autodidact about that. But I, so what I made sure to do was to study the other things I was interested in because I wasn't going to have a human biology department or religious studies department following me the rest of my life. But I could sure as hell get Evelyn Waugh. Right. So. Uh, I. I Film classes are the similar type of thing where you have your entire... No, again, take the classes. They're great. Don't only take those classes. You have to find other things you're interested in. If you're not interested in anything else, pick astronomy. Done. Just pick one. It doesn't even matter. Sometimes it doesn't matter what you pick as long as you pick something specific to learn about because incidental learning is an incredibly powerful tool. You have to find subjects that make you want to write because... If you're a writer, you're not interesting. You're not, your life is not interesting. Shows about writers being writers is not interesting. You know, certain movies pulled it off from time to time, but not anymore. Uh, what's interesting is what you can do. If you're an artist, you have a mutant power to create something interesting. Mm. I, 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 and this isn't false modesty. I promise you, if you followed me for three days, you would go out of your mind with boredom, just going like, all you do is eat and sit and sleep and and eat a lot you eat a lot and, and that's not uh particularly interesting but i do believe that when left alone and thinking and you know talking to people and then writing i am able to create things that are interesting that and that's just you know knowing your mutant power but as a writer you have to figure out what's your mutant power mm. and try not to eat all the time <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love snacks, though. Snack. Yeah, you know, you got to snack. You got to say. I, I have a running bit about my uh, uh, housekeeper who is lovely, and um, she used to work for a very famous movie star uh, who is known for his uh, physique and occasional really good acting. Um, but just one of those people. occasionally, uh, and she, and she, no, no, he's one of those people like who had been made fun of, but then now everyone's like, oh no, he's actually really good sometimes. Uh, but makes tons of money making big movies, but he's like a physique guy as well, and. Um, and she has fond stories. She really liked working with him and his family. Uh, but uh, from time, she doesn't, she used to, when like the first couple weeks, call me by accident by his name. And then that stopped, like when she started seeing how I eat. <laughs> and uh, so the running joke is that first that, you know, she would occasionally stop and say, you know, television's good, but franchise films a lot better. And uh, you should get some of those. And now the new joke is that uh, her old boss managed to work on franchise films without eating two bowls of cereal a day. Listen, I found out the glory of almond milk and Honey Nut Cheerios, okay? Fantastic. Honey Nut Cheerios go with almond milk. That's true. Yes. It's a thing. 
Um, oh my god! I found a new uh, granola called Udi's. Uh, mm-hmm. My wife and I go through way too much of it. They actually come in a little bag, so I realize like they're they come in a feed bag. <laughs> they're literally a feed bag. <laughs> And that with soy milk, and like that's become the you know. So, but every time I'm writing at home, and I go and get another bowl of it, I just see my house, my housekeeper giving me a little side eye of just like, really, you know, you, what, can, what? you can finish your you can finish your script without that. Well, I now guess. you have me imagine your housekeeper is like putting a feed bag around your neck and just saying, you know, here, well, here's your lunch. Yep, yep. She just, you know, but but she definitely like wants, you know, she, she wants me to write more. She's like, hey, if that's what it takes to get the work out of you, keep eating. Okay. But don't drop dead because, you know, next husband won't be as good at your job. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, he might be an, like, an okay comedy guy, but come on, he's not going to have franchise films. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Just such a terrible prediction there. All right. Now, there's been a lot of change in Hollywood in 2017 with people demanding a lot more inclusion behind the scenes. Yes. And, and that is a good thing. I mean, damn sure is. And, yeah. you know, I got to thank you, obviously, because, you know, I'm in the American God's Writer's Room and it's incredibly diverse. Uh, it is. It, it, uh, but don't don't compliment us like we we were not diverse last year in our writer's room. Mm. Uh, and that was a mistake on our part. And we knew it. We knew mm. it while we were doing it. We tried to do better. We didn't do better. And we just got so caught up in the contrail of the jet fuel of that. Um I'm going to get a tissue so I don't keep nasal dripping into your microphone. No problem. We're You're going to edit this. out the part where I talk about boogers, right? <laughs> yes. I'll be right back. <laughs> hang on, hang on. I got my tissues right there. No problem. No problem. <laughs> the truth is, Brian sent me a text while we were talking that was so funny that I actually got <laughs> the last sniffling. No, yeah, what so we're going to do is take the clip of you saying boogers and then blowing your nose and chop it up into <laughs> a rap boogers, song. Boogers, boogers. You know what? Here's what I'm going to say. You have my permission now. Don't edit out that part. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about diversity. I, my nose started running. I did get a text from Brian that was so funny that I started actually like boogering. And um, this is what happened. I can't read the text. I'm sorry. It's too. Oh, damn. It's too. Da- no. It's 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 dark shit. Um, <laughs> but um, look, we're, we're doing American Gods. This is a show about the immigrant experience. It is a show about a black man's experience going through America, going through crazy shit. Now I know magic, and I know mythology, and I know religion. I would never claim to know an experience outside my own, but I can talk to people and then I can write it and then I can talk to them and see how I did. Mm. And I think we got lucky in our first season that we did things that people accepted as uh, an authentic representation or broken, you know, mirror representation of, of certain things. I mean, we wrote, you know, Brian and I had that idea for the Mr. Nancy sequence. Ooh, right. And no, but when we came up with it, we we're like, all right, we're playing with fire now. Yep. Uh, that's okay. We, we're pyromaniacs. We're down with that. No pr- what were we saying, Tatiana? I couldn't hear you. No, I just said, yep. <laughs> oh, okay. Yep, yep. <laughs> and uh, there was a very good chance what we were, what we wrote, you know, went off, wrote it, looked at it, and went, fuck. There's a very good chance this is offensive. Um, but let us not be afraid to show this to people and ask them. Because I was pretty sure, Brian was pretty sure, we were, you know, that a good version of this existed. Uh, and if we did it, it would be worth telling. Uh, for example, um, all and 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 you know we showed it to Orlando Jones, and you know he he talked us through it, and he said no 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 we can we can do this, and he told us how he was going to, and that's what made it real, and that's what made it okay, um, and it made us feel like we can show this a bit more far and wide, uh, and we showed it to a lot of other people too, both you know in various stages, script, cut, episodes, whole deal. Mm. Um, that is not. A great story. That's not a self-congratulatory story. That's actually looked at carefully. That story should have gone like this. 
we came up with an idea. We went to a non-white writer, preferably a black writer, who had had a lot to say about that, and said, hey, draft that for us and let's work on this together. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's not great. You know, the fact that we did it and it worked out, it's not good on us. Like, we, we figured it out, but we wanted to, to... So when we look at the first season of American Gods, Brian and Fuller and myself, um, we can see some things we're very proud of, but we can see a lot of mistakes. First of all, production mistakes and, mm. you know, just things you want to do cleaner and better and visual effects that I still feel never got there. But um, I don't see uh, the story of Shadow Moon being told in with any degree of authenticity. And it's something we talked about from the first time uh, I sat down with Ben Amin and his writing partner, Greg. And... Um, are we allowed yeah. to talk about Greg on this show? No, of course. Oh, Greg, oh, yeah. no, Greg is fan is he bros. Carl Pilkington. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Greg is fan bro, so it's fine. But see, okay, Greg, Greg, but see, I'm glad you. No, I'm glad you're going into this because this is something yeah. that that we discuss like just internally. When I say internally, I don't mean just fan bros. I mean just even with my friends, whether they're in industry or not, whether they're just people who view it or whatever. The the biggest issue is the fact that that happens far too often. Whether it's a black person or even a person of color the producers or whomever is in charge goes to this one person to say, hey, does this black person or this Asian person sound right to you? Okay, cool. And then you never hear from that person of color as a writer ever again. And uh, we're trying to get past the point of where yeah. that person of color, that POC is just the only no, a reference should, You should point. never have the person who's just there to gut check you. You're yeah. there to help you build story. You know, yeah. I mean, if you have them on staff, like that's someone, you know, that's a person. Like we, we had a lot of women on our staff the first season. I think that helped us write better stories for and about women uh and you know that's something that was always important to brian and, I and all of our work going you know back to the beginnings of our careers um but this book was so specifically about the immigrant experience and about diverse people's experience so mm -hmm. we needed to do better with that and yeah. um that just meant we wanted to hire more diverse people and really talk to them uh and one of the problems of working in television is you're doing so much work so quickly that a lot of times, and I've been there, and I've made this mistake, you, you go in with good intentions, and then you run out of time and just do it yourself. Mm. And Brian and I wrote the majority of the first season. Um, you know, we had a writing staff. A lot of them contributed a lot, but the majority of those scripts were, were done by us. And, you know, and th that was just, it was a desire to get it right, but we didn't hire completely. We kept thinking we would have time to bring some other people in. So we made a promise to ourselves uh, and to the studio and to everyone, like, we're going to do better going forward. Uh, and the show is much better for it. The character will have a lot more to say for it. Mm -hmm. uh, the actor playing the character feels much more representation for it. Um, we've talked to him a lot about his personal experience. Uh, Ricky Whittle, who I'm happy to talk about for the entirety of any podcast. <laughs> um, with photos to go with it. Um, I have no problem with that, by the you way. You have no problem with that? None. Uh, I want to hear your opinions about Laura. We do not finish this podcast <laughs> oh. without a Tatiana rant about Laura. Ben oh. has been promising me this. Oh, I'm just rubbing my hands together right now. Okay, Listen. good, good. I'm gonna finish my stupid oh. sentence. Let me let me finish let me finish my stupid uh, thought because I don't even think it's wherever I was with it. And then I'm, and then we're gonna turn it over to you. Um, no, uh, we we actually talked to Ricky a lot about his experience as a mixed race person who is treated as a you know who identifies as a black man and who's been treated almost exclusively as one. Um, and you know how he's felt in different situations in his life at different ages, how he was when he was an athlete, as a model, as an actor. Um, and you know, we, we need, we, we listen as carefully as we can and then we interpret and, uh, and then a lot of people go into making the show, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of artists on every level, uh, and shows are better when there are different types of people making it. You know, we wanted, um, 
we we want more people behind the camera who are women or people of color. Uh, we and we've been making that effort, and it, a lot of shows are. And is it too little, too late? I would probably call it a, a good amount too late. Mm. Uh, it could all become more amount later, like because people should not be patting themselves on the back saying it's only 50% white guys and 50% women or people of color, because guess what? Those are not interchangeable subjects. Right. Uh, what it really comes down to is we have 10 episodes. We're meeting with a ton of directors and we're going to really, 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 really do our best to hire the best people who are not all white guys and are determined to make it, you know, a, a substantial number. Um Without without setting rules, because even just like if I said 50 percent and some shows have and I think that's great saying 50 percent diverse or women, you know, like that's a great place to start uh, so that you can build up more talent out there because um, the you know, I don't have any opinions on this that haven't been said a million times, but there weren't enough people to hire even if you wanted to. And now finally people are getting a shot and there's a bigger uh, population of people to hire as writers and as directors now. And uh, what needs to happen more also is department heads in production. Yeah. Uh, people who, you know, run different departments being more diverse and more women there. Um, you know, we, we, it's something we talk about a lot because we shoot our show in Toronto, Canada, where they don't have a diverse population like we do in Los Angeles or you do in New York or you do in Chicago. Um, so you have to make an even greater effort. And mm -hmm. we do. Uh, it's harder for some things behind the camera, but just that's the people who live there and who are the artisans out there. Um, but you could, you always know when you're doing the best you can and or whether you're saying you're doing the best you can. And you always know when there's more to do. Excellent. So you don't like Laura for shit. <laughs> Listen, dude. Listen here, bro. Here's my thing. I'm, I'm actually happy that I don't like her because I think if I liked everybody on any show, then I think the show might end up being boring. Right? Um, it's not second season uh, Downton Abbey where everyone got nice. Yeah, like, like, like unless it's a comedy where it's just like living single somewhere. Oh, I love everybody. Everybody's funny. No. <laughs> this, uh, my issue with Laura particularly, and I understand that people see this as she's empowering, she is very selfish, self-centered, and She's so selfish and self-centered. And that's literally the opposite of what I stand for. And when people come to <laughs> so me, you're a good person, I guess. When people come to me, <laughs> I, I, I guess. When people come to me with Maybe. that attitude, don't call me that. No, like when people come to me with that attitude, like I, and then plus I yeah. personally feel these feel people's energies. When I feel that horrible, just yeah. trash energy, I want to <laughs> run the other way. And she gives off so much trash, negativity, energy. And then she's also, to me, she's a representation of privilege. And then what made me want to, like, she was going to catch these hands when she started calling Shadow Moon puppy. I wanted yeah. to jump through the screen can I ask you a serious and question? strangle her. Can, can, I love everything you're saying, and I don't debate any of it. Yeah. It's just a question of whether all of the things you're saying make her detestable or make her awesome. And it depends answer, on the person. Both. It both, yeah. 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 No, I mean, if... if Emily Browning was any of those people, I wouldn't like her. No, she's cool. But, oh, she's lovely. She's uh, she's great. <laughs> so um, in the book, uh, American Gods, written by Neil Gaiman, mm -hmm. a talented uh, upstart, um, <laughs> he has, uh, as a running thing, she calls him puppy. Yeah, I know. Now, in the book, though, Shadow Moon is never called African-American. Yep. He's not called, he's only described as a mix of something such that 
early comic book representations of them uh, were accurately drawn with him as a relatively Caucasian, but just like swarthy. Like if you yeah. cast a Greek fella <laughs> or, you know, like, you know, even Kamal Nanjiani would be too dark for people's understanding of, right? Um, oh my God, he would have to beef up so much. So. <laughs> uh, you know, but like it's someone who. Are you about uh, to ask me if, if he wasn't black, would it matter much? No, no, I'm uh, asking you, did it bug you in the book when he, because once no. we cast Ricky Whittle, uh, he became a completely different uh, representation of the character. And so here, here's my question, my follow-up question. Okay. Did you have a problem with it in the book when he was non-specific, non-mixed race? And secondly, uh, did your problem with it start the minute we had a uh, clearly black man playing the role? Or when did your problem with it start? Well, I would say for the book and, and then books in general, because I have, you make your own imagination, regardless of what the book says, you still have your own imagination of what the characters look like and the tone in which they use certain terms or certain phrases, except for if it's verbatim written, you know, looks at right. Shadow with a scowl on her face. Like, unless it's like that, you kind of fill in the blanks yourself. So no, I didn't. it, it wasn't really that didn't thing to me. No. And, on, and did you imagine him as a black man when you read the book? Mm, I, mm, I don't know if I could say that. Okay. I don't know if I could say that. But on screen, yes, that was absolutely a factor because one, the way that Laura speaks to him is very condescending and and like like he's stupid. Like I, that's yeah. that's all I felt. Like she spoke to him like he's a five year old and he's following behind her. I mean, he's playing the role. Let's be honest, he's playing that role. That oh, I'm gonna follow. I love her. She's great. Oh, she's so great. But regardless of how trash she was to him so for her to <laughs> turn around and be like puppy and say it with such a you know, oh i my, my dad owns you know all the monopolies in america type of thing like i it just it just wasn't for me it wasn't no, no, for I, me I, that's totally fair so uh this goes back to representation in the room um if i'd worked with greg and Bean in the writing room before because uh, this goes to my own blind spots which i acknowledge and can only learn from uh and I don't know whether I can call it a mistake or not, but I can. I don't think it's a mistake. The... I no, just no, think I, it's a tonal it wouldn't have occurred difference. to me. Yeah. Because sorry. I don't. I was saying I don't think it's a mistake. It's a tonal difference, really. Yeah. No. No. But but uh, this is where I will say what a mistake I did make. Uh, if Greg and Benjamin had been in the room bef that first season, mm -hmm. they would have been able to come to me, and I believe they would feel comfortable coming to me saying, uh, "Hey, just so you know, given Ricky looking like he does, and the performance she's given there." Her calling him puppy actually has a racial overtone that you that I don't know if you intend or not, but it's there. Right. And my blind spot is I didn't I wouldn't have known that. Mm. Now that's where I'd call it a mistake because I don't mind doing something offensive if it's a choice. Right. Like if I do, you know, th there's shit we did that I knew was pushing too far, and I'm happy about it because I love pissing people off. That's fine. Or I love pushing the buttons and wiggling the, the loose tooth uh, till it hurts. But. That wasn't something I would have done in, uh, on purpose. That was, I thought I was doing, you know, we were doing the book mm -hmm. and she calls him that. And uh, this just goes to the point of like, bad on us for not having someone who could have at least told us you're making a choice. Mm. Uh, because I would stand by it if it was a choice. But if it was something that I just didn't know, it's like, guess what I learned? Got it, got it. But- I do stand by the choice of Laura being just a complete, <laughs> well, <laughs> total yeah. selfish uh, person. Because, uh, and plus, and, it makes and, sense. Yeah. It makes sense in the grander scheme of things once you have all the other characters who yeah. play off of it was her. Someone who, so it I is what it to, is. I love the story of someone whose soul started to grow in death. Mm. 
Fake she, ass, she, whatever, girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, now you found Jesus. Okay, bye. <laughs> oh, uh, we cast Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which we got, one? I got plenty of Jesus. <laughs> oh, all right. all right. Well, Michael, you have survived the interview segment of Fan Bro Show. It's now. Time. Wait, we were recording? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not over yet. It's now time for the rap segment, our rapid fire questions. Oh, God. Is this you you're oh a bunch of yes, no's? What is this? I love the trepidation. It's just like, oh, my. Oh. Wait, let me let me hydrate. Let me drink some of my fancy water. We're going to need your fingerprints, your birth certificate. Do it. I will never sign the release form. Let's go. All right. The Falcon or War Machine? Uh, Falcon. Luke Cage or Black Panther? Oh, uh, I haven't seen Black Panther yet. <laughs> no one has. What? That's know, that I'm Apple expect- II talking. Come on, man. Let's let's. I know. I know. Um, uh, as a comic reader, Luke. Wait, do you want explanations, or is this just one word answer? No, explanations. Uh, as a yeah. as a comic reader, uh, Luke Cage. Um, but boy, does that movie look fucking great! Yeah, man. I cannot. It looks <laughs> yeah, amazing. So th- that answer is going to be Black Panther really quickly. For real. Yeah. Um, Magneto or Professor X. In the comics, Professor X in the movies, Magneto. Okay. No, no, don't say the other way too. around. The other way. I know around. it's. Well, the funny thing is, like, it, it was Professor X until Logan, but I can't watch Logan as a viewer and get inside it because I'm only just you know, so. It's uh oh god, I love both. Um, no, I'm gonna say Professor X right now because 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 yeah, Logan. No, hell, he's, he's, so, so, good. Good. he's, he's so good. He's so good. <laughs> I I cried. I cried every time I saw it uh, oh, because of his fuck. performance. Yes. Look, I. When you write something, if you don't make yourself cry at least once in there, you're not writing a drama. And I cried writing drafts of that scene. Damn. Yeah. I was stuck when that movie ended. I sat in a the theater for like 10 minutes. Yeah. Was no, it, it was a kind of sitting there. I, I could not move. I just want I just want Patrick Stewart to be my uncle. Like, I just <laughs> want him in my family. Uh, he's in Brooklyn. Hop over. Just say hey. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know what? I hear he's lovely. I never got to meet him, and it's a regret of mine. Oh, dude, are you serious? I know, I know, I know. How dare you? Um, all right, so Metropolis or Gotham? Gotham. All right. The Wire or Breaking Bad? Breaking Bad. Best horror. <laughs> Best. Benjamin just got really <laughs> aggressive. He just looked at me like, "You, but you broke my heart." <laughs> He was, he was doing his impression of Carrie Coon as Go in Gone Girl, going, but you're breaking my heart. You can't do you're it. You're supposed to be the chosen one. <laughs> I have the high ground. Oh, God. Uh, okay, yeah. so in horror, Mike Myers, Freddy, or Jason? Uh, Freddy, but I'm a really bad viewer of horror films. I've not. Uh, Brian Fuller knows every one of them inside oh and out, chapter and verse. Oh, yeah, he does. And I'm like, but they're scary. Uh, I watched Friday the 13th Part 1 for the first time. Uh, this October in advance of his Halloween party because I couldn't show up without having to because it was a Friday 13th theme. Uh, right. So, um, But I loved the Freddy movies. I loved Nightmare on Elm Street uh, in high school and those were the ones I could sit through because they were comedy. Oh yeah, those are the best. All right. Except the first, which, and the second. The second is they scary scared too. the piss out of me. <laughs> yeah. And I don't hard. like being scared. <laughs> it's like getting tickled too hard. It's like, no, not fun. Stop it. All Officer. Right. <laughs> 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 I mean, we're talking about the TSA. We're, we're talking about the TSA. Then, yeah, right I know, I know. That scene I didn't expect. Um, Lex Luthor or Doctor Doom? Lex Luthor. All right, I love that. Yeah. S- Star Wars or Star Trek? Why choose? Have both. I 
excellent. Um, I mean, uh, that, no, that's, I, that's actually, you I, know. I, uh, it, Star Wars was always the bigger thing for me. Uh, Star Trek Next Generation is a big thing for me. Yes. Like, the people who love Star Trek love it like with all four chambers of their heart. Yes. And, yes. Um, and I love it with my brain. Right. Also, again, working with Brian Fuller, when someone loves something so much, you realize you're a dilettante. <laughs> you're just like, no, you can take Star Trek. I'll, I'll love Star Wars over here. Yeah. Yeah. But why choose have both? Michael Green keeping the peace. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause, That's uh, me. I mean, he. we do have C-3PO and R2-D2 and all. I saw. We do. We have a lot of shit. Yeah. We have a lot of stuff. <laughs> All right, your favorite. Star I got a little Green Lantern over there. You can be mad at him. I got my. my <laughs> we're in my office, so it's like my trophy wall with Look like a little Hal Jordan. I got a little Hal Jordan. I got stuff from. I got a Logan. I got my seat back from Blade Runner. That I'm very proud of. Which oh. I had never actually sat on in the movie because they didn't want to announce the name during production. So I got the chair back with the name of the movie and my name on it. After what was the production name? <laughs> uh, Triborough. Oh, so it was originally Queensboro. I put the name. Uh, uh, the the writer who wrote uh, the first uh, bit of it, uh, treatment of it, Hampton Venter wrote the original film, uh, had called it Acid Zoo. And then when I got it, <laughs> Love uh, it. I, which I just I, I, I can't do drug references. I just uh, so no, he's lovely. He's, it was after a short story of his, so I need to come up with another one. And I put Queensboro because it was. Uh, the bridge between Brooklyn and Manhattan, and I was in yeah. Manhattan at the time, and he's a Brooklyn guy, uh, and so that was my little joke. And then one day, the production, the line producer sends me an email, and his email tag has changed from Queensboro Productions to Triborough Production. And I'm like, what, oh, did we switch bridges? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> we going to Jersey now? What's what's next? George Washington Bridge? He said too many people got wind that we were Queensboro, so we switched. Oh, bridges. I see. So Triborough after the bridge. That could be your DJ name, by the way, DJ Acid Zoo. That would work for you. Uh, I don't know if I need a whole name just to hit play. <laughs> Ooh, but I mean, you don't let him change you like that? What the I fuck? Know, I just, this is slander. Damn! I, I, I will do a running gag on how I don't know what DJs do but, until, like, because he's going to grind his teeth to dust. Ben, I mean, you're going to let him change you on your own notice. show? Damn. I didn't say I don't love The Wire. I do say that, like, DJs are people on morning shows who, like, oh. no! <laughs> Why would you do this to me? All but right. I loved you. <laughs> I loved you. <laughs> and you still. Yeah. All right. Uh, besides Logan, favorite superhero movie. Logan. Time. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one. There's only one. There we go. Uh, favorite, uh, you know, Highlander. Mm, yeah. I love that movie. I love them all. I do. I uh, Tim Burton's first Batman changed my life. Mm. Um, you know, Spider-Man 2, excellent. Uh, people don't talk enough about Blade. They don't. Uh, Blade was the uh, proof of concept movie for superhero movies. It was the first one that wasn't silly, that picked a tone, stuck with it, and told studios and audiences alike that you can enter a world, the world will be consistent, take itself seriously, still be heightened, still be fun, and honor the property upon which it's based. Thank you for that. about to get because, so much love. Thank you for that really? because that was actually also the next question, your favorite Wesley Snipes movie. Uh, we appreciate it. <laughs> Oh, is that actually the next question? That was, but you answered it. Oh, Thank you. Uh, yeah, it, I, I, I mentioned it from time to time. It's just they don't, you know, Goyer wrote it. Like, it, it's, it's, it's a great movie, and it's told the world, sit back, we're going to make 10,000 superhero movies. So many that people are going to complain that they're doing another Spider-Man movie. Like, can you imagine, when I, if I was 13... Oh, and you told right. me that the biggest thing people are going to be pissed off about <laughs> is too many Spider-Men's. 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 Menses. Menses. I knew he was going to go there. I knew he was going to go too there. Many, 
too many spider menarchies. Um, uh, that that you that you be that's what people would be. You'd be like, are you crazy? Can I have every day be another Spider-Man movie? Like I used to get pissed. That I had to wait till Wednesday for, to, for another comic, and I was still waiting a month for the Spectacular Spider-Man. I, Ah, grumpy man. I used to be the kid. Now I'm the grumpy old man. Ah, Apple two. Oh my God. That's your nickname for me. She can be like, he was funny for an Apple two piece of shit. I'm just, look, this is how I remember people. Okay. You know, look, you don't have a visual image. I'm just, I, no, I, I I've never am, seen a picture I'm, of you I'm 44 ever. years old and I typed on an Apple two. <laughs> and, and you write hype beast 40 times on the screen. <laughs> I, I, until you know what it means. Dolores Umbridge with the pen. I know what hype beast means now. Jeez. Sell to the hype beast. Not Umbridge. Um. Well, hopefully this isn't the answer to this one. Who was your first geek crush? Oh, get in line, Chitara. Ooh, oh yeah. my God. I used to watch Thundercats like after school on Friday afternoon when I got out early enough to see it. And I would get so squirmy and not know why. <laughs> I'd just be like, I would just get like uncomfortable and need to like go run around in the backyard. <laughs> like I would just have to do things and I just didn't know. It's like, well, what you want to do is masturbate. What? <laughs> What's that? Do I need special shoes for that? Special like I just feel, I would just get squirmy and just, uh, oh, Chitar. Yeah. Um, to the point where a friend of mine, like last year met the woman who did the voice for Chitara wow. uh, at some event and took a picture with her and texted it to me. And he's like, yeah, with a warning. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think he actually texted me, said, hey, make sure you're NSFOW. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like, oh God, what's this going to be? It's Chitara. I'm like, <gasps> <laughs> um, but that list goes on. Uh, look, Princess Leia, thousand percent. Uh, Mary Jane in various, under various pens. But um, yes. yeah, Chitara was like, it wasn't just crush it. Like it physically, like my endocrine system was engaged. That was, that, that's, that was puberty kicking in. It me. was wow. happening. <laughs> like glands were happening. Testicles were dropping. Secretions. I think that's fabulous that a Thundercat did that for you. Like a Thundercat oh, yeah. brought you into your manhood. And, and and don't think that's gone away. <laughs> I don't think when so. they rebooted that shit, <laughs> and I'm watching it, and my my wife came in the room, and I'm like, "Honey, um, you you should make a choice here. <laughs> Either join me or leave me alone." <laughs> but I mean, actually, snarfed his water on that. I'm very pleased. Uh, oh. No, because she knows I'm an absolute, you know, nerdling about these things. And she's like, is this you and Chitara again? I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. It's, it's a tough oh, one man. to cosplay at home, though. You know, like, you know, Princess Leia, she can do, but Chitara's asking a lot. It is. <laughs> I've learned so much about Michael Green today. My Lord. Uh, You know, I, 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 these are, this, this is all there is. <laughs> Stupid jokes about... Chitara. If you could have any one superpower, what would it be? All of them. Omnipotence. Omnipotence. I would like the omnipotence because omniscience comes with it. So I know who killed JFK. Uh, (laughs) You want to fly? It's under the rubric. The umbrella is covering everything. And you can even start playing games like, well, I'm omnipotent. Can I limit my own powers? Mm. And then your head explodes and you stroke out. Can God make a boulder so big? That is... Well, I haven't heard that one. All right. Uh, Get back to church. (laughs) Go to church. 
Oh my God, I can assign that to you. Oh no! Listen, for this episode. Yeah, and take your mother and call your mother. You already, you already gave me that one. You gave me to call <laughs> your mother car. Right? <laughs> I have given you call your mother. I am not a bad boss. No, he's great. At, at least according to your mom. Yeah. All and right. that's all that matters. Yes, basically. Okay, in any medium. We're still doing questions? One more, one last Jesus one. Christ, okay. In any medium, books, comics, TV, film, whatever, what character's death hurts you the most? Because uh, I just, in my head, I went through here are the ones that stay with me. Mm-hmm. Like one of the Aunt May ones, um, King Arthur dying at the end of Excalibur kills me. Mm-hmm. Um, when uh, Highlander's wife dies, kills me. Mm-hmm. Light a candle for me on my birthday. I mean, you know, yeah. I, I, these are things that matter. Um, the point is that when there is something that's genre and you remember a death, it means you had an attachment to a character, and uh, that's an important thing. When I remember reading like a dr- draft of the transformer script the first one uh, wow yeah no the, wait before uh, you saw it before no, i saw wait, it right. i i eat michael wow. bay transformers oh, uh, the, the the alex kurtzman uh, uh robert orsi written you know michael oh. bay no no trans no michael bay's transformers oh okay yeah. so i'm reading that yeah, yeah. Uh, no by the way optimus prime's death in yes. the transformers movie killed me yes eighth grade summer <laughs> Ugh. Oh, devastating. He'd be right. touch. But He'd be so, right. I, so I love the Transformers. So I read the uh, script, and it's actually a really well-written script. Um, uh, Christmas Norsey wrote it, and it's it's fun. I mean, it's not serious. But then I remember um, there's a scene at the end when Megatron rips, or someone rips Jazz in half. Yeah, like and he's no a fun problem. character. Yeah, and I remember reading it thinking, if this movie can succeed in making me feel something in that moment, even a small thing, just going like, I love that guy, oh man. No, no one's going to cry at Transformers. But if they could succeed in making me have a feeling there, that'll be something because it was written for it where you got to know him and like when it happens like no like just a no one of those and uh, the bummer was i watched a movie and he just gets torn in half yeah, and just like, like no and nothing michael, nothing no michael, motion you know jack, it was all for cool fi- what's that you know jazz was black right yeah okay just play uh, just, just, who did the voice in the cartoon was it scatman crothers i think it is it was yeah, i it believe was. it was you see yeah. how they do us and uh <laughs> not cool not okay uh he was one of my favorite transformers back then under scatman crothers he was the first or second, he was the second Transformer I bought as a kid, the toy. First was Starscream, second was Jazz, and I nice. loved him, because I bought him kind of by like, I just wanted a Transformer and I pulled him, and I was like, I love this character, and then he, and who doesn't love Scatman Crothers doing any yeah. voices? Um, but yeah, so I, I just remember thinking like, oh, if they can, because I care about Jazz, and if they could make me care about his, and they didn't. Uh, <laughs> but Optimus Prime's death in the Transformers movie, that hurt, Roderick Prime. All right, well, you have survived the Brap segment. I think we survived Michael Green. Yeah, we survived <laughs> Like, jeez. Here's the thing. Vitamine scheduled this shit. <laughs> he, like, said, hey, do you mind? And, like, I rescheduled a couple times because my everything got weird and I had to go out of town. And He, like, he rescheduled. So it's your fucking fault. Damn sure is. Yeah. I brought no, thank you for myself. doing this. Tatiana, I want to meet in person one day. That would be, so, be fun to put a face Absolutely. Uh, you, you need to dress me down about Laura being a piece of shit more. <laughs> I mean, I... You know, and you guys should just continue down that lane, but I'm just going to, every time, I hate this girl, blah, 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 every time, I'm telling you. It's gonna hey, be- she's a villain. So you love I, her as a villain? Love to hate? Love is a strong word. Okay. <laughs> like to hate. Would you tolerate to get to the next There scene? you it. There you go. Boom. All right. Boom, boom. Introduce her to Emily Browning, then she'll just be like, all right, I'll just like it for her. Well, I like Emily. Emily's great. but She is. She's wonderful. All right. Before you get out of here, please let the internets know where they can find you at. 
they shouldn't. I'm. <laughs> you don't have my email number, internet. Email email address. You don't have my phone number. Don't call me. Uh, you, talk to more interesting. Talk to Benamine. He's better. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm on Twitter if you want like Trump rage and poop jokes. And you get it. Yes. You you get poop jokes and t- Trump rage. That's it. That's and there's plenty of that. So, uh, I, I you don't you know what? They're better people. Go go find them. Watch my shows. Go to the movies. Uh, if you didn't see Murder on the Orient Express last week, you're dead to me. But you can go this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fam bros. We're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be right back to wrap up the show. <laughs> All right, bye. The internet's this is Combat Jack, and you're listening to the Fan Bro Show. Do me a favor, do them a favor, subscribe, rate, comment on iTunes, follow them on SoundCloud, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, MySpace, Black Planet, Mi Gente. Falsetto. Oh, okay. Wow, okay. everyone hates yeah. us right now. Sorry, you guys. <laughs> uh, you know. I always rock at the doo-wop falsetto. I don't know what, you know. Little barbershop uh, tri-quit. We, we're not really Yeah, well, you know. Yeah. Trio. It sounded no, exactly. like how, like, Trio. you ever beep a car horn and it gets stuck and it's just going and going and going? That's Ooh. what it's like. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, I mean, my you know, thing is not that much better, but I'm just saying. I mean, you know, yeah. I know mine. You know, you know, this, is, this is choir raised. Anyway, oh, okay. Um, yeah. Are you really Eagle, Eagle Scout and choir raised? No, I spent like five that's all you need. Choir. I was yeah, going to say, that's all you need on your business card. Eagle Scout and choir raised. Choir raised. I was definitely so I'm just going to say raised. it. I'm just going to say it. This ninja, but I mean, is a liar. So. Oh, um, uh, Absolutely. <laughs> My mama always said I should have stayed in the choir. You know, I had a beautiful voice, but yeah, that wow. didn't happen. Um, but you know what? But you are an happening. Eagle Scout, right? Oh yeah, yeah, all the way. Don't make me, you know, do the right. right now. We don't. We ain't got to get in all that. We got a lot else to get into, including the guac is extra. That's right, folks. It's the geekly asked questions where we answer any and everything from our listeners so hit us up if you have a question for us contact at fanbros.com you can hit us on the twitter at fanbros show we take any and all questions from any and everyone and what do we have up first tonight up first is very on time with the topic this one is from luxurious blue luxurious blue writes i I was watching the Leah Ramini show about Scientology and it got me thinking. Would the creative with the creator of Scientology, L. Ron Hubbard, be considered an American god? No. Setting aside <laughs> setting aside Ben, I mean being on the writing staff, do you guys think American Gods the show or even Neil Gaiman Gaiman would ever include L. Ron Hubbard as a god in the American Gods universe? No. And how do you feel? How do you speculate the other gods would feel about the creative Scientology being a god, assuming we had said yes, since there are people who believe in his religious cult, but it's based on the fiction of man? Mm. Uh, Chico, you say no. He said no several times. Why? Yeah, no. Come on. Because he, I mean, 
L. Ron Hubbard was a failed science fiction writer who made a bet at a party, and he was like, well, who can make a better, you know, who can come make up a better religion? And then he, you know, he won the bet, basically. But that's about it. Hmm. All right. And yeah, I mean, there's like you know really shady stuff with. Uh, I mean, we. I mean, that, anyone yeah, watching we, the Leah Ravini show, you know, we so. know that we we know that everybody can watch the, the show or the documentary. But I mean, I think making him an American God would be the equivalent of making Charles Manson an American. I was literally going to name Charles Manson. Yeah. Like this whole cultish thing, like I get why they're saying why this question was posed this way because. Scientology is just on another level when it comes to cults. Like it's it's really up there when it comes to basically people thinking they're in a whole nother planet type of thing. But to your point, Chico, I'm not putting him in that stratosphere at all. Okay. Right. All right. Um, but I propose to both of you. What about uh my man out of Waco, Texas? Uh, no, him neither. No. To me, not to me. I don't. I, don't uh, think I know you're talking the, the 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 one with the the ATF firebomb. Yep. Yeah, I yeah, no, about... I, uh, David Koresh. Yes. Okay. Well, I, all right. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is see the thing about the concept of American gods is I mean I know I am a writer so I can't kind of you know be on the inside but just in general even from the book it's that if people believe in something like in America we believe in media and so there is a god of media so it's not that L. Ron Hubbard would be a god but people do believe in Scientology and they do have <laughs> gods and stuff and all their weird rules to it. And a significant amount of people believe in it. So But a lot less than believe in, you know, media or, you know, some Tech of the boy. other guys. You know, yeah, exactly. Sure indeed. Technology. So it, it might not be the strongest drive, but that doesn't mean it's not a god. Okay. I All still right. wouldn't I still wouldn't give it to Elron, no. Oh, fuck Elron Hubbard and his whole <laughs> Okay. <crew>. I mean, <laughs> but you know, that's that's not that's neither here nor there. You know, to me it's most fuck most organized religions in general, but that's right. That doesn't stop people believing in them and thus giving them power. All right. All right. That's a great answer. Great question, too. The yes. next one comes from Corey, a.k.a. Spear Hollow on Twitter. Corey writes, I want you guys to know that I think the world of you all. Thank you, Corey. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. Uh, Corey writes, I have a question regarding Aaron Magruder's Black America. The question about the world building, actually. The synopsis says that, quote, Today, after two decades of peace with the U.S. and unprecedented growth, an ascendant new colonia joins the ranks of major industrialized nations, so the world stage as America slides into rapid decline. Here's my thought. I'm not sure. Okay, I, I missed the connection here. But hip-hop has a tradition of speaking truth to power and giving us a creative outlet in the face of oppression. In a reality where we have economic strength, self-determination, and prosperity, does hip-hop exist? No. For that matter, do wait. For that matter, do blues exist? Jazz? What do you guys think? Okay, so let me just add some meat here because I know it's a little confusing. So, Black America is an upcoming show by Aaron Magruder and one other person that it centers around if um, what right after the Civil War, if Black people in America was basically given their own country within the United States. So, there's a the United States to the north or wherever that directional is, and then there's a section called New Colonia, which is quote unquote, our country. And in that country to the writers, to Corey's point, like we have economic strength, self-determination, prosperity, all that stuff. So in the face of all that, do things like hip hop, blues, jazz, do those things exist? No, I, I say yes. Yeah, I, I say yes. says no. I say, I say yes, um, although it is interesting. There's an interesting thing there because there's how does like 150 public enemy, years. How does public enemy make right. the power? 
How the public right. enemy uh, exists. Well, how does right. well, how does the message maybe, ever even happen? Well, maybe public enemy doesn't how, exist. How does but, oh, how, okay? Right. Okay, I mean on, that on, has on, nothing on, to hold do on, with hold you on, know. Hold on. 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 All right. Look. As far as jazz, blues, etc., perhaps. As far as hip hop, there's no way because hip hop involves Reagan being president. Hip hop involves the blackout of New York City happening. Hip hop involves so many specific things that and oppression is one of the biggest things. Slavery is the reason why music is the way it is today. Well, there like, still would have been slavery. This is after the right, Civil War. Right, there still would have been slavery. Ah, so okay. all, and everything up until then is still real. I mean, I think yeah. there's also the idea of, like, when they formed Israel, like, it was all these, like, non-religious Jews who suddenly became, like, discovered their Jewishness and became more culturally Jewish. So I feel like if you put a whole bunch of black people together in their own country... They're going to do, they're going to, they're going to, you know, the blues already existed. You know, I, I, I do think that, you know, yeah, you're right. There might not be fight, fight the power, but there'd be like 10, 10 different versions of uh, sometimes I rhyme slow, sometimes I rhyme quick. And there'd whatever. be like 20 different versions of Pup Daddy then because everybody would be born. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that would well, still exist. Close. Pup, that's I mean, you know, the, yeah. Yeah. Because because yes, public enemy themselves may not exist, but yeah. there will be some form of them in a different way. There are there is a parallel to this, uh, su- uh, suffering and all the other stuff doesn't end just because we have our own nation. There's still right. New Colonia is not Wakanda. Ah. New Colonia is not Wakanda. Right. I and, mean, and, and even and even wait, thing. but even in that argument, Wakanda is not Wakanda because right. there, there's some stuff going on with that too. So oh yeah, even before is, there was always stuff going on with that. Don't blame Mr. Coates. Right. So what I'm saying right. is I, I, I hip hop as a art form is inherently black. I don't think that just because like that part of history that the, like you said, the Reagan and all that other stuff may not have happened to new colonia means that hip hop doesn't exist. Like I, I still okay. think that it would have been born in some other way, shape or form. And also it doesn't negate the fact that there's still oppression. There's still um, people fighting all sorts of isms. Mm-hmm. Still happening, and the fact that you're now living in this 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 world, or excuse me, this country called New Colonia, which I assume is around or near or surrounded by America. So, what does that look like to be in a country where, when you step foot step out of that country, what does that look like? What does America mm. look like? Yeah, you right. I mean, fight, you know, public enemy can still exist and still be talking about fighting the power, Howard. talking about the. Right. Are there, does that mean? Right does that them. mean? Yep. And we haven't even seen it yet. Does that mean only like literally one hundred percent of black people are gonna be in New Colonia, or is it gonna be eighty oh, no, percent? No, 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 and it's no, gonna no. be some black people in America. That's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. That's, that, yep. that you'll still yep. see that. True That's what indeed. I feel. Yeah. So true. Even America could develop hip hop on its own, and then New Colonia could just imitate it and have their own version of it. So it could, you know. All right, all right. Very, that that is an excellent question, and I'm sure, yeah. hopefully, the writers of that show are listening to this because we just gave them crazy ideas right there. Crazy idea, and also Corey, I didn't read the rest of his AKAs. AKA T'Challa French Toast, AKA Marty McFly guy, AKA President Abraham Thinking. God damn Thank it, you. Marty McFly guy is really good for simplicity. <laughs> yeah, I'm mad. As I'm is mad. Abraham Thinking is dope too. <laughs> yeah, I like that one the best. But Marty Thank McFly you. guy is really incredible. <laughs> I'm really mad. I never used that. Yeah. Thank you for your question, Corey. Here we got we got Negus Obscura is asking, with the news of yet another Star Wars trilogy, where would you like the franchise to go? And to me, I'm all about not the Skywalker family. All about not like 
Just stuff that's that already happening. Trilogy hinted at. Well, that's what I'm saying. I, I mean, you know, he wants to move away I mean, from it. That's what he's saying. I mean, I want to move away from you know, even the Han Solo thing is still pretty. You know, I mean, that's still pretty yeah. within the original sphere. I mean, I would like to see a live action Ahsoka movie. I'm going to tell you what I want to see. I want to see a black woman as a Sith. I want to see black women Jedis. I want to see more, way more people of color in in these positions. I want to see full-blown dogfighting in space with lasers. And and, and I just want to see all of the fire shit happening, but with people of color. Mm -hmm. Like, like. Praise to all the new folks on on the newer um, the trilogies and everything else you know Force Awakens and all that stuff. That's great. I just want to see more of that, and I want to again. I want to see pro- particularly prominent uh, uh, black women in, in places of prominence. I want to see a Sith general as a, a black woman Sith general like that. And, that's and my you could have already you could have already seen that if they hadn't have made this unbelievable decision to cast Lupita Nyong'o and then. Put her in like Gollum CG. CGI yeah. shit, right? I mean, it just <laughs> well, makes no yeah. no no sense whatsoever. Yeah. Like, well, listen, you know. that's what she, she she was. She thought. I mean, at the end of the day, she's within now the the catacombs of history when it comes to Star Wars. So whatever. There you go. So she's still she's still happy that she's there, but I agree. Like it's just like yo, you got Lupita Nyong'o, and then you right. put CG all over her. Okay. Right. That being said, I, I just I just need more. Like I just want to see. I'm not gonna give it away because I've written some of this. Y'all see that later. But um, I just want to see some really fire shit happening, man. I mean, you know, me as the resident, like I mean, I know Chico Leo is too. Both of us just, and even I know, like me, I okay. Just last night, I rewatched the last 30 minutes of rogue one. Oh my god like I mean, it's <laughs> it's like I, I'm, no I'm it's so, incredible it's, i mean it's i've so seen incredible. it like five times now yeah. it's it, incredible i told you i that was the first time star wars related that i literally started crying like, i, I mean we were all up. there in the theater together i remember all of us jumping up clapping screaming just oh, yeah. overjoyed throughout the whole thing i, I was physically crying like <laughs> like yo this was amazing <laughs> So I just want to see more things like that where they take those chances where they're just like, even that that it was in the Skywalker family and everything, it still took the chances to be like, okay, we're going to introduce all these characters, make you love them all, and then kill them. You know, I want well, to see right. more things like that. And it's not even about yeah. the death of characters yeah. or anything because people are talking about Infinity War, like who's going to die, and that doesn't matter. But I just want to see the realness, the grittiness, you know, sometimes. And then sometimes I want to see the majesty, the greatness. Uh, me, I, you know, Ahsoka would be incredible. I would also always love to see the Knights of the Old Republic because, oh, man, you know, to see the Jedi yeah. in their full strength, like when they but were isn't running that, things. Isn't that in the plan, though? Isn't that in the works? I to mean, kind of bring a lot of that animation, animate uh, the stuff, the stories from the animation, bring that into the uh, films. I mean, of course, but it's like they haven't said what this next trilogy will be about. They have said, I said this on an earlier show, so I got to take it back because they did say that it will have nothing to do with the Stride Walker family or any of this, and Good. that hopefully, you know, at least for the next twenty years or so, the Stride Walker story will be wrapped up in Episode Nine. Like that's it. Bring on new original characters. That's what I'm ready for. Yep. All right. Anything else tonight? I did we hit everything? Oh, one more. This one more. This one this last one. This is one is from Mafia Three Six. Mafia Three Six Mafia. Right? 
Did I read that right? I'm, I'm not good in that one either. <laughs> I don't get it, but Darian. Darian writes with so much. <laughs> well, Mafia 3 is a video game. I, I know there's Oh, Mafia 3, 6 Mafia. Well, what is 6 uh, Mafia? Mafia 3, three, no, it's three six, 6 Mafia, the rap group. Right, all right, there you go. Oh, okay. Darian. All right. Damn, yeah. Darian. I'm sorry we butchered that, but yeah. Anyway, you Darian that, writes. Darian. Darian writes with so much great stuff coming out nowadays. It's sometimes hard to revisit things you enjoy. How often do you guys read read books, replay video games, rewatch movies and TV shows? And what are some of your favorites you return to the most? I mean, I just said Rogue One, but the one that I always talk about in comments I copped is a uh, Planetary. Like, I reread that comic as much as I can, usually about once a year. I don't think I've read it this year. I probably need to check it out before the year's over. But, yeah, Planetary. Mm. What about you, Chico? Oh, wait, I think it's a great question because my answer is a hard no in the sense that I used to reread. (laughs) I guess I used to reread books, like, dozens of times. Like, growing up, I read, like, Lord of the Rings and the Dragonlance books and mm. you know like like all like many men Piers anthony like all that stuff like many 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 times See, I and didn't. i definitely saw movies like 10 and 12 times and i did replay video games like after i finished them and i don't do and i reread you know i even re you know reread books into like you know high school and maybe even to college but then not and now with again i think just the way entertainment is there's too much new stuff constantly coming out and it's right there you don't have to make an effort and so i have stacks and stacks and stacks of books that i haven't read and mm-hmm. stacks and stacks of books that i'd like to reread that i don't think i ever will and i don't play replay any video games and i don't you know so right. it's like it i think it's a no i think it's it's the you know it, people don't do it as much today as as we used to. I don't know if that's good or bad, but things don't stay in your you know psyche as much if you haven't seen them like ten times or read them like ten times. Like I could quote stuff like back then, but now I could never quote anything. Maybe a movie or two. Um, I would. It really depends because usually I'm like like you, Chico. I'm I'm like I don't really want to watch that again because I still have so much I, I, that's on my queue that I still haven't gotten to. Then exactly. again, like if I'm just in a mood where I need to, I need a laugh or I need to be entertained and I know that either a book or a show or film that can give that to me. And I know this for a fact, I'll watch it. Like recently is, this is anime related, but recently I started watching devil's a part-timer again because I was sitting there like, Oh, like I was in my Netflix queue and I was like, Oh, that, that show was real funny. I, I lightweight want to watch it again. And then I started watching it again because I wanted that laugh. I wanted to, feel that for that moment because I was just like oh I'm kind of bored and I would like I would like some laughter in my life so I understand both sides um I I feel like I have so much material that I need to get to right now I have comic books upon comic books waiting to be read that I have still not gotten to Ben Ami knows a lot about that I'm trying Ben Ami (laughs) I know I know you are I know you are and I feel the same way even lately because I've moved out here and just different things my life my schedule has changed it's been even hard for me to keep up with comics but I still will reread comics I never was a rereader of books though like even stuff like Chico the Dragonlance Piers Anthony I've read all those and I don't really remember rereading them once I finished them more than once but now, same way, it's so much stuff that it's just hard. But there are a couple things. Like last night, like I said, I watched the last 30 minutes of Rogue One. You know, I just fast-forwarded because I just know right away that last 30 minutes, boom, that's what I want. You know, and so there's stuff like that. But, you know, yeah, great question. But the only real answer I can say is planetary. 
And, you know, as always, if you have a question for us, like we said before, send it in to contact at fanbros.com or hit us on the Twitter, on the Instagram, at Show. Make sure you send in any and all questions. They don't have to be comic, geek, movie, TV related. It don't matter, whatever, because we talk about all type of stuff on this show. And it's time for some of that good old... Tech Talk with Tatiana. And this week in tech news, I'm going to only speak about one major thing, and that is Instagram. There are a lot of new features out on the horizon, and I want you guys to pay attention to that. Um, a lot of them we use like through third parties, like we use other apps to make it work, but Instagram is working to make it all native. The first is the native Instagram regram button. Ben, I mean, I know you know that you use, I think you use the regram app. Or yeah, some other type right. of app like that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, like, you see stuff you like on other people that other people post and you want to repost it and then add your own comments to it. You have to usually go to a third party, download a separate app to be able to do that. But secretly right now, Instagram is working on such a button that will let you do that. They're also working on uh, letting you add GIFs or GIFs, excuse me, GIFs to your stories. Um, you will be able to, just like with Twitter, when you go into the GIF search and you type in words like thank you or congratulations or clap, you find pictures. Same situation with Instagram. You'll be able to add them to your photos like stickers. Um, mm. and yeah, so that can go, go really bad or really good <laughs> depending on who you are. Um, then also they are going to allow people to, I don't know what's going to come out, but they're going to allow people to archive stories. So typically now when you put your stories up, it's up for 24 hours and they're gone. You'll be actually get the chance to save it automatically, which is not different than you just saving it on your damn self, you know, saving it on your own. Um, and then finally, they're going to be allowing people to share the WhatsApp and, uh, there's a few other things that are interesting. So if you want to know more about what's coming in Instagram, hit me up at Tatiana King. I'll tell you more about tech. And also before we get out of this hashtag save net neutrality, still mm. call your Congress people and let them know you are not about that life. You're not with agit, uh, and the FCC save net neutrality. Trust me. Ooh, to say the least, thank you for that last one, for real. Make sure you hit up your Congress people, your senators, all the Muslim members, you know, let them know you will vote their ass right up out of there. You know, 2018, 2020, you are coming for them if they don't get their shit together because that works. You know, we've seen it work before, so do it again. Just keep doing it. We can't stop. Shout out to Bid, you know, Bid Flynn out there flipping like a pancake. Gotta love it, but, you know, that don't mean our job is done just yet, but woo! That man flip, I flip you, flip you for real. Oh man! But you know what time it is? Nah, nah. Yeah. <laughs> Comics, I, I, I actually expected a sound effect. <laughs> you say you know what time it is? Like I don't know, like flavor, flavor, somebody popping up. I really expected <laughs> another sound effect. I get that reference. I get that reference. All right. Tonight on Comics I Copped, real quick, it's, you know, it's coming to the end of the year. I've really been asking people, like, what was their favorite comic? That's something I want to say tonight. You know, oh, like, yeah. what was your favorite comic of the year? You know, series, single issue, you know, what moved you the most this year? It doesn't matter, like, if it was an old joint, new joint. You know, just what hit you in the heart this year? I need to know. You know, let me know. Hit me at DJ Ben I mean on Twitter. Use the hashtag comics I copped. 
you know, and let me know what was your favorite joint of the year because I've been thinking about it. Like last year was like so easy, you know, it's like vision, like. Yeah, like a few people answered you on Twitter yep. too. Yeah, uh, Lizzie Lynn Garcia said Wonder Woman hands down. Mm-hmm. That um, was for the movie. Yep. Yeah, the movie. Yeah, shout outs to oh, that's also movie. Brendan Casey he yep. mentioned Wonder Woman as well. Um, comic book series. Uh, who said? Oh, High Five Fight Club. Mm. I've not read uh, that joint. I've not read that. High Five yeah, Ever- Fight Club. Yeah, Everett Christensen wrote that to you. Um, and also, oh, back to the comics. Uh, Lizzie Lynn she wrote Batman White Knight. Yeah, yo, I've been hearing. Because I thought that uh, Batman Metal was so garbage when I first looked at it. So I've been ignoring it. But I keep hearing about Batman White Knight, uh, Batman the, the the Bat Who Laughs, or The Man Who Laughs, whatever it is. I'm, I'm hearing that's crazy. Mm. People are saying a lot of them joints are crazy. So I'm going to check those out real quick, real soon, and I'll get back to y'all. But, yeah, please let me know, you know, what's your favorite joint of the year? Because this year it's been really weird for me. I've, I, I'm lying. It's Wicked and Divine because after that last issue, oh my god, oh my god, <laughs> go, uh, you know, Wicked and Divine. Yeah, it's definitely my favorite thing this year. But also out this week was the Batman Annual by Tom King, who has been killing it. He got another one, Mister Miracle is another of my favorite books this year. Um, so shout out to him. But the Batman Annual is basically telling another story, you know, related to this whole Batman and Catwoman getting married. It's dope as hell. I don't want to give mm-hmm. away anything more than that. Tom King has been That's killing Tom it. Tom King, man. Yeah, oh. I mean. And wasn't the Vision your your book of your book of the year? Yes, last year? like yeah. like I'm like I mean I said this before at the New York Comic Con. The line for his signings was so insane. Oh, fuck that. That's another one. Batman versus Elmer Fudd. That shit is one of my books of the year. Like wow, that yeah. yo, it was insane. It was like how. Can this dude make something, you know, that sounds so ridiculous, so good? And he did. Like, Tom King is just a beast. But also, I mean, shout-outs to Lion Forge. Like, you want to talk about books of the year. Like, everything they're putting out. Like, you know, once again, going back to the whole argument over Wakanda last week, the discussion we had, you know, shout-out to the comment section. Everybody had to say what they had to say. But it's like, you know, we got Lion Forge out here week after week, month after month, just putting out solid comic books that feature people of color with this mm-hmm. rich history that they're building right now in real time. And are we talking about that? Are we supporting that? Or are we out here writing petitions to take Ta-Nehisi off a book? Oop. Oop. Okay, so Incidentals number four comes out this week from Lion Forge. Also, K-I-N-O. I guess it's Kino, but it's really an acronym. So K-I-N-O number one comes out from Lion Forge this week. So you need to pick both of those up. Always get them number ones. And one last one, shout out to Fred Van Lente because War number number four comes to a close this week. That's the end of the limited series. It's War number, I mean War Mother. It's four issues, really dope series about this woman in this future who has a gun who's like her son. So she's like War Mother. You like that gun who's her son. Boom. And on that. We out of here. That's it for Comments I Copped this week. Make sure you use that hashtag, Comments I Copped. And hit me up anytime you want to talk comics at DJ Benjamin. And? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was just waiting for somebody to say something. We got a few more things to talk about tonight. Like the remake of Cleopatra Jones from Misha Green, who is just absolutely killing it in every aspect. And this is... oh. 
Yeah. Well, I, I'm just going to put all these together because I don't understand why all of Black Sportation is being remade right now. Mm. I, I fuck I fucks with Misha Green. Don't get me wrong, but yep. um, I, I don't and, understand. And why. actually, Cleopatra Jones is really dope. She's an actual okay. secret agent who works uh, specifically for the president. So she's much closer to James Bond than Shaft. Okay. Right. And Misha was talking about how she was having a conversation. I forgot who she was talking to, but she had a conversation saying she would love to, have, to do a story about basically a black... James Bond, essentially a black woman, James Bond, and and, and that's like, basically what Cleopatra. Cleopatra Jones could be. Yeah, I actually think it would be a doper TV series, right. but I'm psyched for it. I think it's actually really dope right. news for again. Maybe that's not my generation, so maybe that's why I'm just like whatever. But also, like in the exploitation realm, you have that. Then you have it mentions Richard Roundtree will return as the reboot of Chef, return to the reboot of Chef, which stars Samuel L. Jackson. Jesse T. Usher. For a minute, I thought that y'all said Usher. I'm like, Usher's in this? What? Uh, and Alexander Ship, who you guys know as Storm. Um, and then also... Wait, wait, Sony- wait, wait, wait. So Samuel, is there key playing Shaft? Uh, listen. They gotta do like... We'll get- it, at, uh, whoever this Justy dude must must be playing his son. That, that must be what it is. Uh, but they gotta be passing. Uh, I mean... I don't know. I don't know. But then Walker, also... But yeah. but also, yeah. Sony is going... Sony is going to reboot Superfly... Oh, no. ...with... With the yeah, writer of the Watchmen idea. movie adaptation, Alex C. No. Or said. Uh, that's a bad no. idea. No, that's bad. No. So, that's what I'm saying. I'm just, I just read all this together in one clump, and I'm just like, whoa. Like, I love the name Misha no, Green and all that stuff, Cleopatra but the rest Jones of this don't sound good. Okay. She's like, she's not a superhero, but I mean, you know, she's like really, she is drives Superfly really fly cars, and she knows Shaft karate. No, but no, but she, you know, she's like a good guy who comes in and saves, you know, like whatever. And she has, you know, gadgets in her, you know, fly cars. And she has a phone in her car where she can call the president and, you know. Okay. Um, She's she's definitely, yeah. I trust. And she knows karate and she has all kinds of guns and gadgets and stuff. Okay, well, that sounds a little better. I was just like, yeah, this her black exploitation was just like, uh, okay. Yeah. No, you should. What you should? I mean, Cleopatra Jones is one of those. There should have been like ten of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Really? And there was only one. I was being fair. No, it was good. No, no, I'm sure. Um. All right. Also, also I, I don't know if you know the actress who plays Cleopatra Jones in the first two movies is Tamara Dobson, or in the first movie rather, is six foot two. So I don't know. I don't know if who that if is. They're gonna get another. Well, no, but it's like I don't know if they're gonna get another six foot two woman. They're not. All right. Um, did y'all get <laughs> what? This? <laughs> I mean, they might. They could get. They Gina found a Brienne of Tarth. They could. They could get Gina Torres. I don't know. I, I I'm imagining Gina Torres must be very very tall. I don't know. For sure. she's, she's not, not six, six two. two she's not six yeah. two. But Gina Torres yeah. is dope. I just yeah. like I mean, her dope. and everything. No, she period. can do anything. No, I, she's. I think the idea of a She-Hulk movie with her. Someone put that oh, out fuck there. And yeah. I think that's yeah. that, that would was, be the dope someone thing. that was that was fan bros who put that out there a couple of years. Well, back see, there you April go. Place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so all right, I just knew it wasn't me, but I like the idea. <laughs> so, all right. Yeah, moving on. Yes. <laughs> and some other news tonight. Did everyone get to finish up the Punisher? I have four episodes left, but I can just say definitively, it, it's this close to beating Daredevil season one as the best Netflix show. But Daredevil season one is still on top for me. But it's that it's very good. I like it a lot. All Punisher. right, all right, Chico. 
I mean, the last time I talked to you, I'd watched either four or five. I've now watched six, and yep. uh, it's just uh, it's not it's not happening for me at all. Wow. Oh yeah, no, like this is. I mean, I I, I would doubt like Iron Fist is better than Punisher for me. <laughs> no! Whoa! 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 Yeah, I know. So wait, you come back, <laughs> you come back and disrespect me in my house? <laughs> like, no, wait a I mean, minute, Chico, just... you did not just say it was worse. How dare? How dare? Explain yeah. yourself. It just—it's not. It's I. I don't care. It's slow. Wow. Um. It's wow. it's like it's everything feels dragged out. I don't wow. I don't care about this. This. Are dude, you serious right you now? You know. The micro, yeah, I don't like like they cast a guy from Girls who I thought was annoying on Girls <laughs> and I think he's annoying on Punisher. Well, I've never like, seen an episode of Girls. I don't know who you're talking about, but right, you're talking, well, the guy you're talking about micro. the CIA guy, the CIA guy, micro, the guy who's oh micro, yeah, guy he was who, in, yeah. who cares and if he was in Girls? In, like elaborate scenes of like you know, they're you know like like the guy's watching the Punisher kick it to his wife, like, on video. <laughs> like, it's like, that's like some, like, All right, don't give away the plot. 80s, don't give away, like, don't give away. Saved by the Bell, like, Saved by the Bell, like, Alex Chico, Pichu, Chico, don't like... give away the plot because wow. there's still people who haven't seen it. But, Ben, I mean, first of all, I'm mad. I'm, I'm, I'm really tight right now. <laughs> Damn. So, uh, Ben, I mean, I'm probably going to go on your, your SoundCloud, Chico, and put really fucked up comments on your SoundCloud. Just no, saying. don't do that. So, I mean, so, I'm so, right. uh, Ben, I mean, what about you? What did you think? Um, I've got, I think, did I get through that episode last night or did I fall asleep on that joint? I think I might have fallen right. asleep. But no, no. And that no, was no, not no. the first one you fell asleep on. Wait, okay, <laughs> no, but, no, okay. Okay, okay. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait, wait. That's no, not no. what the question was. What did you think, Ben? Hamid? So far, I'm loving So far. It. I've got like two okay. more episodes. I've got two Wait, and so half far episodes. what? You're loving it. I don't know what you're talking about. You All right, wait. Listening. How many episodes <laughs> have you fallen asleep on? How many episodes have you fallen asleep on? None until last you? night. No, you had already fallen asleep on an episode. When we spoke, like, like <laughs> Are a you going to tell him, hours. bro? Oh, my God. No, I'm nah, saying bro. go back and listen to I was to loving it. You can go back to this old show and listen. Anyway, I like, I'm like i loving Punisher so far. There's no way you can compare it to Daredevil. You hated on my man Burnthal before. You're hating on him again. He's chilling it once again. I, I, mean, I mean, he worked in Daredevil. I and love he worked in Daredevil, but it's like he's not the main. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, well, that's okay. Well, listen, that's okay. This is what this is what Fanbros is about. This is about is. Yep. disagreements. <laughs> but <laughs> let me tell you, I mean, you, if there I, was like a gif of someone like staggering through quicksand, that's that. That's oh, wow. bro. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Okay. Well, anyway, um, I enjoyed it. Um, yes. Uh, you guys should watch it. It's definitely prior, contrary to Chico's belief. It is better than Punish. Uh, what? Uh, Iron Fist. My God, Chico. My God. Nothing. Nothing beats Iron. Just Fist only because Iron Fist had Colleen Wing. Like you know. So the Colleen Wing ain't gonna Iron save Fist. this, uh, Chico Lee. Right. Colleen Wing can't save it. Colleen Wing ain't save the defenders. Fan pros. Fan pros.